Hello everyone, welcome to the Side Hit Podcast, I'm your host Fat Tony And today, today with us we've got Brent Screen, welcome Brent Hey Tony, how's it going? Good bro, how's your summer been? Uh, it's been awesome actually, yeah Been uh, getting out, biking and boating, boating Man. and biking Surfing behind the boat Surfing behind the new boat um, Yeah, it's been sick Any pop shovets on that surfboard yet? Uh haven't properly ridden away clean, but I did one the other night where I rode away for about five metres and then skidded out. So riding a little wake surf, um, little wake surfboard. Yeah, it's like, a, it's a skim style. So it's super loose. Mean. And uh, yeah, it basically has no fins really fast. So yeah, it's crazy. It's cool. It's kind of a new sport. It's new buzz. Sweet, and another yeah. board sport in Brent's uh, crib. Yeah, pretty much, eh? It's <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's a buzz. It's kind of like learning a new, like you've already got the you've already got the board balance, but then you're like on this totally different board behind this crazy little wave. It's steep and punchy, and it's like a little beach break, you know? Um, but it just keeps going, and it's the same the whole time. So, yeah, it's really addictive. Like, you just you just want to keep going and going and going. And, Surf the whole leg, pretty much. <laughs> Before you know it, you're in Macarora. Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, it's Mean. good summer. It's still really warm here, so it's cool. And to, Miriam's to been it. getting in on the surf action too. Yeah, shout out to my wife Miriam. Um, actually, she did say, uh, "Can you, can you give me one? Give me a shout out." Um, so, um, hi Miriam. There you go. There's, yeah. there's a shout out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's into it too. She's she's picked it up pretty good and. Um, it's yeah, I'm stoked that it's something that we can go out and do together and have a good time. And she drives a boat too, so I'm always twisting around to get out there and be my driver. Sweet. And uh, hit her up, you know. And um, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, really good fun. Nice. So I'll kick this one off. Then um, Brent, where are you from, and how'd you get into snowboarding? Um, I was born in Tamaranui, yep. which is right next to Ruapehu, and then moved to the Bay of Islands. And then moved to Hawke's Bay, and then moved to Wainui Amata in Wellington. Right. And pretty much was in Wainui since I was five to about mid-twenties. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, upbringing in Wainui was awesome. Sweet. BMXing and rugby and stuff like that, so it was cool. Oh, yeah. cool. Wainui is a pretty rough sort of town at that time oh it, yeah it gets that stigma of you know why well, is really rough but um to me i mean i was brought up there so it was just like it was my hometown so mm. i didn't really run into too many rough situations you know it was mm. like there was a few scraps here and there and a few people i went to school with ended up in jail um crazy stuff went down you know um but yeah i i Still got a love, lot of love for Wainui. Oh, cool. Do you, do you get back there often? Uh, when we go to Wellington, I might take a little drive out there and just drive around the old neighbourhood and have a look at the yeah. old house and the old schools. And, and then, um, yeah, that's about it, really. Oh, cool. But so it's still got a couple of friends there. Man, so you yeah. grew up uh, BMXing, skateboarding as well? Or? BMXing and then skateboarding. So probably first rolled on it. Well, actually, we had a skateboard in the family since I was a kid. So my dad must have... Brought this little fiberglass skateboard thing, and it was just always in the rumpus room. And um, I never really skated it. Maybe I did a couple of skids on the outside the front of the house, but we didn't really have, you know, no one was skating at that time. And I was like, I can, I mean, I can remember having that skateboard since I was four. Mm. Um, but I was more into sort of 
jumping off the roof of the house than <laughs> skateboarding because I didn't really know what it was all about, you know. Yeah. But it was cool to just sort of have, have a skateboard in the family and my brother and sister didn't really skate either. It just kind of sat there mm. and then um, and then it disappeared. That we skateboarded and then, crazy enough, it popped up again a couple of years ago after going AWOL for 20-odd years. Really? Yeah, so uh, Holy shit. my buddy it just went missing from my house because, like, when I grew up in Wainui, when I was 15, I built a mini ramp in my house and a lot of local Wainui skaters would come around and skate the ramp and a couple of things would go missing and mm. that skateboard went missing. And um, then when I was up in Wellington about two years ago, my mate Swifty, he collects old skateboards, goes to garage sales. He's all come and check out my stash. And um, I went out to his little garage and uh, there's the skateboard that, our family skateboard, it was like a one of a kind. <laughs> And I was like, dude, where did you get that skateboard? He's like, I picked it up at a garage sale somewhere. And I was just like, holy shit, bro, that's like our family skateboard. And um, he gave it to me. Oh, GC. And uh, I was actually going out for dinner with my brother and sister and went to dinner. And I was like, check this out. And they're like, holy heck, where'd you find that? And I was like, Swifty had picked it up from a garage sale somewhere. So, yeah, now I've got it back in my, it's actually at my house. So, Man. it's a bit of a trip. Frank Screen's got his first board. Got first skateboard, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't really skate that skateboard. Um, it wasn't until I was like 11 or 12 that a dude at Intermediate got a skateboard, a hooger booger for Christmas. Hooger booger made skateboards? Yeah, this, like a wide, the first wide American skateboard that I'd ever seen was, was a hooger booger. Whoa. Yeah, and um, and it was Christmas Day and he lived around the corner from me and, 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 and like his family got the skateboard and they none of them were interested and I was like dude get, I have a roll on the skateboard I rolled on the skateboard I took it around and showed my mum and I was like mum I want one of these for Christmas <laughs> and all this was Christmas day and she's all no you're not having a skateboard you know and so but I was just hooked I was just hell bent on getting back on a wide skateboard again so um a couple of a couple of them popped up at intermediate you know mm. and um I think the you could get them from farmers or somewhere yeah and then yeah then I, I was just hooked I just wanted to go skateboarding so um ended up getting my own edward skateboard from uh mount wanganui when i stayed at my uncle's up there and uh yeah rest is history really man edwards that's so yeah <laughs> a name a, that goes back a wee way eh? had a blank edwards with uh double red wheels um you know two two yellow two pink wheels that was the trend back then Sweet. and it was covered in stickers and i had some gorilla grip on the top with some like checkers and yeah, I was just, uh, yeah, I was kind of just wanted a skateboard Man. the whole time. And that was um, sort of boarding school days. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I went to boarding school in Napier um, and skateboarded a lot there. And then. So, was there a crew in Napier that was skating as well? Yeah, there was a hardcore crew. Like, uh, there was a couple of dudes called uh, Trevor and Vaughan. This is going way back. I think Diggs, Diggs knows those guys and, and, and used to skate with them and um, P Diggs. And. Uh, yeah, those dudes used to turn up at, the, at uh, went to Napier Boys, so they'd turn up at the school. They went to another school. They went to Colenso and, and Napier, and um, but they'd come skate Napier Boys, and when, whenever they were there, it was like, oh, Trevor and Vaughan are over at the school skating, and would go over there, and, and they'd be like ollieing like those big, you know, the big drums. What are those big forty-gallon drums? Yeah. I put those on the sides and like ollie off stairs over those and do like crazy tricks and. Yeah, those dudes were insane, man. They were ollieing like waist high, like this way is back. Sort of mid to late. This 80s. was like 85, 86, 87. Holy shit! Yeah, they were just yeah. absolutely killing it, and um, like mind blowing, you know. So mm. um, Trevor and Vaughan, they were pretty uh, sort of 
secret of characters and um they just turn up and, and rip it up and then they were gone you know and um it was just like mind-blowing so, so that was some good inspiration right yeah cool and um so napier the was napier and skateboarding i always associate that with shay ataria shay did, yeah did you was he kicking around at those points so shay um he i was about fourth form which is like 14 and um I was a full-time boarder, and, and my mate, he was like a five-day boarder that lived just out of Napier and was good mates with Shay, and this was before Shay was even skateboarding. And um, so I'd go out and stay at my mate's house on the weekends, or not, yeah, like on an exit weekend, and um, would skate. He lived on this orchard, had this huge warehouse, and would skate in this warehouse thing at his parents. And, and Shay came around one day and was just like, whoa, um, what's that, skateboard, you know, and... Um, so Shay was sort of having to play around on our skateboards and we were teaching him how to ollie. He couldn't really ollie. Holy shit. Yeah, he couldn't ollie. And um, this was like the first day, he really, one of the yeah. first days he stepped foot on a skateboard. And it was like, sort of, this is how you do it. And then um, it was about a month later, went back out there and um, he was ollieing like knee high yeah. after, a, well, it was probably after a couple of weeks. Fine. And it was just like, well, Shay's got this crazy talent on a skateboard and then all of a sudden he was just like the dude and was just went years ahead of everyone else and was ripping and and pretty much went on to become the best in new zealand new zealand champ and everything yeah yeah. so yeah my claim to fame with shay is like (laughs) oh i helped teach him how to ollie you know um (laughs) but it was crazy because like yeah he just took to it like nobody's business man and just absolutely killed it and supernatural and like every Every week it was like shaded this, shaded that, shaded that, shaded that. And we'd, we'd go street skating uh, on the weekends and it was just like, yeah, it's just they straight killing it. Almost have a whole town named after him. Pretty much. With spots he did. And yeah, bro, he shit. was, yep. Right. Legend. And so were you sort of bouncing back and forth then to wellies as well? Yeah, or? well, I was at boarding school for 13, 14, 15. And then... Um, because I love skateboarding and I didn't have much freedom at boarding school, I wanted to move back to Wainui solely to be able to go skateboarding whenever I wanted to. Mm. And my mum was like, if you move home, you're on your own. And I was like 15, 16. I was like, she said, if you move home, you know, you can pay your own way, even though I was still sixth form at school. Yeah. So, yeah, I moved back to Wainui and didn't really pay attention. Nearly got expelled because I didn't really do any homework and stuff. And uh, I was skateboarding a lot. And... um picked up three part-time jobs sixth form and one was at penny farthings in lower hut and we sold skateboards and i'd, I'd um i'd actually my three jobs i'd, I'd finish school and my mum was a school teacher so i had this cleaning job at school she taught at so i'd do that job jump on the bus go over to the lower hut and then go to the bike shop put together a few bikes got like eight dollars a bike yeah and sold skateboards and bikes and then mm. um had a job at kentucky fried chicken as well so we worked like two nights a week at KFC and uh my mate Swifty him and I he got me the job at Penny Farthings yeah so um yeah it was cool because like it was pretty funny because um we would like set up skateboards wouldn't pay for them and then would skate them and then would sell them and because we got cost Mm. after we'd skated them for like a week we'd pay for them and then get a brand new set up complete and 
I, I wasn't doing very good at school, but one of my friends, Lee Heard, he was super brainy, and I sat next to him in maths and physics, so um, I gave him a skateboard, and he let me copy him in one of his tests, <laughs> and that's how I got through, that's how I got through, uh, like, physics and another oh, so subject. Yeah, so... Some um, things just don't change, do they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was cool. It was rad to, like, work in a skate shop and, like... Um, just have like all those cool brands come through like Madrid and uh, you know Santa Cruz, Palparolda, all the, mm. all the all the wicked brands, skate, skateboard brands. Yeah. As a sixteen-year-old to be able to get cheap new boards, it's like fuck yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It was cheap boards and KFC. What the fuck more do you know? Oh, dude, yeah, <laughs> totally. Like I know, I know how much you love your fried chicken too oh, with, yeah. the, with the Lawsons, bro. So yeah, I, I could see you probably. You know, it would have been your dream job back at oh, yeah, KFC, Christ. yeah, so it was cool. Yeah, KFC was a trip. I used to take chicken to parties on the weekends and swap it, swap chicken for alcohol and stuff, you know, so it was a good bartering system, and um, yeah, it, it was it was cool. Right. Uh, so, so what was the always going, had We always had KFC in the fridge. What was it going right for half a dozen beers and as far as chicken oh, goes? Oh, dude, I'd just take like probably a 12-pack and like, dude, I, I was getting hooked up. Everybody was like, it was, sometimes it was like a piece of chicken for a beer, you know, it was like... <laughs> And it was fresh chicken. I'd turn up because I'd finish my shift at like 11 and then go straight to a party and like um, everyone would just be so pumped when I turned up with all this chicken and I'd be stoked because I'd get like swap it for booze, you know. So, <laughs> Bring yeah. along a large potato and gravy and watch the fucking yeah. uh, the circus come to town. Yeah, totally, eh? So, um, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was some funny times. Mean. So yeah. how did snowboarding get into the picture then? Uh, that was through skateboarding. So I was working at Penny Farthings and then... This dude Craig Harris, uh, he opened up the boardroom down the street. So I, I worked at Penny's, and then I'd go and hang out in the boardroom, watch videos. And he'd been in the states skateboarding. He was a good vert skater, and he brought back these snowboards. And he's all like, "Dude, you, you need to try snowboarding." And um, so he had the old Sims white Sims with the fluoro graphics. Yep. It's like I think I got the switch some switchblade, and um, yeah, I was um, I was like. You know, I wasn't cashed up or anything, so I lay by this Sims board, and every time I had five, seven, eight dollars, I'd put it on the board, put it on the snowboard, and I had this stack this high of like lay by receipts. You know, mm. finally paid it off, and then um, yeah, uh, went up to Awakuni and and went snowboarding, and I think I was like seventeen. And so you had you, you hadn't seen anything in the magazines, or it was oh. just like here's a snowboard. No, yeah, there was, he, Craig had magazines in the boardroom and videos, and oh, it was so like um, watching like old Burton movies, like uh, I don't know, uh, was it critical? Not critical condition. Well, that was one of them. But uh, mm. way back to like Craig Kelly board with the world. All oh, um, right. So you had an idea of what you were in. Snow, yeah, Snowboarders in Exile, old school movies like that, and oh, right. um, so you know I could see you know them riding powder and doing three sixties, and I was just like, yeah, it looks pretty sick, and so I. Yeah, I brought this Sim Switchblade. It was like a $1,000 board, and, and back then, that's a lot of money, you know? Yeah. And I'd never even tried it, but I knew I was going to dig it. Yeah. So um, I went up, and first day, I absolutely hated it, and I was yeah. like, what have I done? Because I didn't know how to do it. It was like, yeah. I'd just caught, caught, catch a chairlift up and then just bomb it and just catch edges and eat shit. And mm. um, Mark Sayers, um, at the time, he's an old school snowboarder from Wellington, he came up, he's like, dude, you need to go from like your toe edge to your heel edge. And so once he told me that, I started getting it together and went up the second day and I was like, actually, this isn't bad. This is this is okay. Maybe I haven't made the right 
decision and with the snowboard thing you know mm. yeah so I, that was like a two-day trip and then it was cool and then i couldn't wait to get back up there so um yeah that i, I kind of was like sweet was there anyone snowboarding at that time or? not really um there was probably about five snowboarders on the hill at uh Tura. um yeah it was kind of like whenever you saw another snowboarder on tour it was like you go up to them and go yo man how's it going i'm i'm brent you know and, mm. and it was like it was kind of like you were this like really 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 rare breed yeah up there and uh but it didn't take long for it to get momentum and then like the next season a whole bunch of people started popping up all around from all around the north island dino johnson um jimmy hunt um alex mcdonald Nice. Um, yeah mm. so those kind of dudes were the ogs up there at the time yeah, that, that's from right. memory yeah yeah and those those names went on to become quite prominent in issues of new zealand snowboarder a few years later yeah so well dino johnson you know everyone knows dino and um alex mcdonald bro alex mcdonald he he it was um dino alex and myself i remember one day riding and um alex was like i'm gonna do everything switch today even like ride the chairlift, you know, switch. Right. And he did, and like Alex was actually ripping hard a switch. Then Dino and I were riding. Right. Normal. So he was quite far ahead of he the game. He was insane, bro. And then it was like next run, Alex is like, I'm gonna try a switch three, and then boom, you do a switch three, and he was like, I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna try that, and he was just like on a whole nother tier. Yeah, right. he was just because those guys like Dino and Alex, from what I could tell in reading New Zealand Snowboard, they were kind of like. Or like the unofficial mayors of Rural Pay was it Turo or Fuckapapa? Turo. Turo, yeah. So they were kind of like the unofficial mayors of Turo. Yeah, I so mean, had, had the most respect, yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, there was there was a few unofficial mayors, yeah, eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Alex was definitely the dude in the forefront of snowboarding mm. at the time. So I remember the first time I seen anything about Alex McDonald was in New Zealand snowboarder doing like one yeah. foot ears. Oh yep, and and I was just like, "What the fuck is he doing?" Taking yeah. my foot out, sort of bro. Thing, you know? And then fast forward twenty years, and you got Jeremy Jones on Burton doing them, you know. And yeah. um, that that's, that was Alex back then. He was just light years. He was just like on a whole another planet. Mm. Like the five he did at Cardi's, and that made the magazine. Oh, I don't, um, don't know that was just that. like what next level. And then he was on. He got on SMP Road with Steve Graham. Right. And so Alex was all SMP'd up, and um, yeah. So what was this five at Cadrona you're talking about? Uh, he was, did like a frontside five off a, a little a corniche up at, uh, to, looking up to the left. Yeah, oh, right. it was just a sick five, like it was big. And that, was, that was right before he broke his ankle on Rick's ramp. Oh, right. Yeah. And this was back when people weren't really doing fives? or Not really, not in New Zealand, eh? Mm. Um, yeah, this is way back. This is, shit, 90, that was probably like 93 maybe. Oh yeah, so yeah, fives were kind of a blip on the radar yeah. around these parts then. Yeah, bro. Yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> from your first first day, which about eighty eight, if I remember rightly. Eighty eight, eighty nine. Yeah. So were you sort of just back and forthing, weekend worrying to two row for a while? Yeah, my friend from boarding school, he was into it too. Well, actually, he was like, "Should I get a monoboard or a snowboard?" <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, no question, man. Get a monoboard." <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was like, bro, get a snowboard, you know, and he's like, should I get hard boots or soft boots? I'm like, bro, get soft boots, because I'd got my Sims, and he was about to buy a board, and he got this mm. random brand called Plink or something, I don't know, from Owakuni. Mm. So we would kind of meet in um, Owakuni. He, he was still going to Napier Boys Boarding School, oh, right. and I'd left boarding school to go back in Wainui, and 
Yeah, we were just kind of meeting up there over the you know weekends. He he was from Waiuru, so oh, um, right. for me it was like going to stay at his parents and his grandma lived there and she'd make us. His dad was American, so his grandma was like she was American. She was made made us these waffles for breakfast and we'd get up and he had this little Ford Escort panel van and we'd chuck our snowboards in the back. So I'd stay at his house and then we'd go ride um, Tura. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, that was like eighty eighty eight. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so we kind of, I was a bit of a weekend warrior then, um, and then 89 was like my first proper stint up there. Oh, yeah, like yeah. actually going to Oakuni for the yeah, season? Yeah, I went up there, but I saved up, and went, I saved up enough money to live up there for six weeks, and I was paying like 25 bucks a week, and that covered food, and lived in an A-frame with a dude called Dave Finn, who was good mates with Craig Harris. So Craig Harris introduced me to his mates up there. They were all like 10 years older than me. Yeah. And um, I went and lived with all these dudes in an A-frame in Oakuni, and we had this car, it was called the Pirate Ship, and we just snowboarded, basically, that's all we did. Man. Yeah, we just snowboarded and chilled. And that was kind of my first proper taste of kind of getting a bit of a season of snowboarding, and, you know, I started getting a little bit of progression going and, and enjoying it, and I was like, this is what I want to do, and... Um, but after that winter, I went back to Wellies, and all my friends were going to started going to uni, oh, yeah. and getting jobs. And I was just like, I don't want to. I went to uni for opening day with all my mates. I was like, Nah, this is ain't this ain't me. Mm. And then I was like, You know, what am I going to do? And I was like, I just want to go snowboarding and skateboarding. And um, actually, um, went and did an interview with the Air Force, and and did pretty good and got good results and so i was on the waiting list for the air force to be a aircraft mechanic really yeah holy shit Bring yeah. screen the aircraft mechanic yeah bro yeah so i was like oh right. shit i'm gonna go in the air force and i'm gonna be an aircraft mechanic and it's like i'm gonna be assigned that's, that's, to, i was like i hope i get assigned to ohaki because that was on the way to tura yeah yeah but then i was like hang on a minute am i gonna be able to snowboard being in the air force you know and i was like nah so um it's quite an opposite structure from coming from skateboarding and stuff. Yeah, to bro. Yeah, military. Yeah, so I was still living at home. I was like eighteen, and um, I had to go to Polytech for three months, and then I was going into the Air Force just to sharpen up on my um, academics. And because um, I mean, I wouldn't say I was like a plus student, but I got six subjects at school: suit at boarding school and fifth form, and you know, not, not a lot of people did that, and I got, like, over 80% in maths and shit. So, you know, I kind of, like, was a little bit switched on, and I studied and stuff. But, um, yeah, I had to go to uh, Polytech and then for three months, and then I was going in the Air Force, and um, I went, started Polytech, and um, I was there for about a week, and I just wasn't into it. I was in the classroom looking out the window, and I just want to go skate. And um, my mum was stoked because, like, you know, I was, like, furthering my education and the boarding yeah. school was going to pay off and all this and that. And um, I was like, no, nah, I just want to go skateboarding and snowboarding. And um, I used to go hang out at the boardroom after Polytech and Craig, I'd be like, dude, I just don't want to do go to Polytech tomorrow. And he's all, dude, if you, if you, um, if you leave Polytech, we'll give you a job in the boardroom. Oh, man. And then you can um, save up and then you can go down. He's all, you need to go down Treble Cone, Wanaka. And um, oh. I was like, where's that? He's all, it's down south. It's, like, way better snow than... Um, Rapehu, and there's a bit of a scene down there. There's a bunch of snowboarders, and uh, I was like, "That sounds cool." So um, I quit Polytech, started working in the boardroom. Didn't tell my mum; she thought I was going to Polytech every day, but I was going to work in the boardroom. <laughs> and then after about three weeks, I broke the news to her, and, and she got really upset and was just like, "Spend all this money on your education, and all you want to do is go be a bum, go skateboarding and snowboarding. And when are you going to grow up?" And I was just like. 
but that was too late because I, I was already like, this is what I'm doing. I'm mm. working in the boardroom and then I'm going down to Triple Cone, Wanaka. Man, so was the boardroom, was that sort of the first core skate snow yeah. shop in, yeah, in Wellington? Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, pretty much. What was There was a Blue Tile Lounge, that was Auckland, sorry, yeah. So, mm. um, yeah, the boardroom, Wellington. Yeah, it was one of, you know, a couple mm. started popping up, but the boardroom was definitely like, Craig had been living in the States skateboarding. He was skateboarding with like Lance Mountain and stuff, you know. Wow. So he came back and he was like, he had these photos on the wall and it was like, you know. So yeah, he was pretty cool. He was he still skates to this day. He is a mean uh, ramp skater, bowl skater. And yeah, he was like the core shop. It was the boardroom was the shop. And he started out in Lower Hutt and then he moved into Wellington. Um, but yeah, he he employed so many people over the years, like um, David Reed from oh, Manual yes. Magazine, um, Bernard Fu, um, you know, pro skateboarder for Huffer and and all the other other mm. brands. And uh, yeah, so the boardroom definitely was like the the hub. I would say you know it was a hub spot in Wellington skateboarding and snowboarding. So we don't. I could have my wires crossed here, but did you grow up skating with like David Reed and those dudes? Yeah, as well? so I was living in. I was from Wainui. Dave Reed was from Avalon. Uh, Bernie Fu, he he was in the Hutt Valley somewhere. Um, Simon Lockett was from oh, yeah. Stokes Valley. Uh, the Gregoroffs. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, so um, the Gregoroffs were actually from Wainui. Right. Uh, lived in Wainui when I was in Wainui. Um, a lot of those dudes ended up like riding for like Boom and Strobe yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, eh? yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Anthony Gregoroff was on Boom. Um, mm. And Ivan, those guys were rippers. Like, I used to skate with Ivan and Greg and Anthony in Wainui. And, and I remember Ivan had built, when the first um, Power Peralta videos came out, Ivan built this blast ramp. Oh, yeah. And he had it down this alleyway down in, uh, by their house. And um, he was doing like... 360s off it, judo wears, uh, finger flips, ollie uh, earwalks off Man. it. Yeah, he was just, Ivan was just absolutely killing. It was just like, holy shit, just like he was like, he could have been in like one of the power videos doing all this stuff, you know. Right. So yeah, it was, um, yeah, the Gregoroffs. Um, yeah, it was it was a sick skate scene. Like, uh, they moved into Wellington. So I remember one of them had the Gravediggers tattoo on his arm. Gravediggers, yeah. Like right. the hip-hop group? Yeah, bro, yeah, Grave yeah. Probably, probably Anthony, yeah. Yeah, yeah Gravediggers. Um, Anthony was real heavy into his hip-hop. Well, everybody was, you know. Mm. We were into all sorts of stuff, you know, all that music. Um, but yeah, the, the Gregoroffs moved to Wellington. That was around when the skate pit opened. Oh, yeah. So Dean Hunt. Yeah, Dean oh, Hunt. Of course, Dean pop, Hunt. Yeah, dude, Dean Hunt was... He, he used to skate the vert ramp at the skate pit. Um, DJ Pops um, lives in Queenstown now. He he was just killing. DJ Pops. Yeah, he was oh. killing the. Um, yeah, he, he was killing the the ramps at skate pit. Um, yeah, that dude. So many good skateboarders at the skate pit. So yeah, he used to catch the bus from Wainui to the hut, and then the train to the to, to Wellington. And I uh, mean, Swifty, Swifty again. Um, yeah. he, we uh, would go and skate the skate pit on Friday nights until like 11.30 and then we'd get a shave ice and catch the last train and bus back to Wainui. Um, and quite often would miss the last bus to Wainui and it was like quarter past 12 and we were like one of us like, whose parents were going to ring to get a lift back oh. over the hill? <laughs> so that happened a lot. But yeah, that, that was some of the best times, man, the skate pit and those late, late night sessions. Mm. And um, yeah. And this is sort of early 90s. Uh, late 80s. Late 80s. Yeah. So we've sort of gone off course a little bit. Um, TC season. So Craig, Craig Harris sort of sent you. Yeah, so that, that's going back. Yeah, so sorry, we went a bit off track, went yeah, back, back in time. 
you know, skatings. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, TC, yeah, that was 94. So, um, yeah, I just came down here in 94 with a, with a crew from Wellington. and um, So, who was the crew? Uh, the crew was uh, my good buddy Brent Dickens, who I've been skateboarding with since I was about 13. Um, Drew Bray, Julian Bray, um, Bex, their own pink. Oh, Snowboarding. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were all flatmates. And then Matt Russell, um, Skate Snow Shop. Right. Yeah, Matt Russell, he popped up in his big Mercedes, old school Mercedes, and his dog and his missus. And um, so, yeah, we had a pretty good posse out in Albert Town at All Seasons. Um, no, sorry, it was a ha- little old farmhouse next to All Seasons. And um, oh, okay. I did live at All Seasons a couple of years later. But yeah, we had a good crew, and um, that was when it used to snow down to the ground in Wanaka a lot. So. There was a, yeah, I remember it snowed one time and we just couldn't, no, you couldn't drive anywhere because it was like sort of knee to knee deep snow everywhere. And that sort of happened probably a few, a few times mm. in that winter in 94. Ch- Chains from Glendu Bay. Bro, mm. so, so much snow back then mm. and the powder days were just insane. Like waist deep power at TC um, <clears throat> back then was just insane. Mm. So, yeah, that, so it was pretty sort of... Um, put the zap on your head a bit like coming down here and be like holy shit it's a different yeah sort of yeah deal. yeah it was like winter wonderland down here it was mm. just the, the powder was just phenomenal compared to the north island don't get me wrong the north island gets some mean powder days mm. but just different here yeah just you know the quality of snows was next level sort of a bit more consistent too with yeah bro yeah the quality and whatnot yeah so there was a cool scene in 94 like rion yeah, Rion from the boardhouse, um, Toddy, Muddy, um, Quentin Robbins, Ollie Brunton, uh, Dino Johnson. So, man, so there's some there was, serious heads dude, on the there deck, was man. Some, there was a crazy crew here in 94. I, I, actually, I think Quentin, might have, he, Quentin would visit from Methven in 94. Right. Um, but Ollie was here. Uh, That's right, because Ollie got the cover shot on New Zealand snowboarder in the halfpipe at TC. Yeah, bro. Remember that? Yeah, the they, yellow bus. Basically. Yellow bus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there was, you know, it was starting to throw, yeah, I was stoked because like there was just lots more snowboarders to ride with here mm. and, and, um, it was just, it was popping. Yeah. So was that sort of the eureka moment where things actually sort of clicked into place with snowboarding for you? Yeah. I was just like, this is me. This is what I want to do. Um, <clears throat> just, yeah, I was riding with a guy, Rick Claremont from the States. Um, he was just pushing it big time he was just doing some massive stuff up there and he was cruising around stan hill the photographer oh yeah um so those guys were on their bars and uh yeah like rick would be like um he was like brent i'm gonna go and jump the cat track today because he'd been eyeing it up you know this is 94 and mm. i'd never really done anything that big and went up and he'd already built the little takeoff and he's like i need someone to do it with and so i he did it first and then i did it and, and stan hill was shooting mm. And uh, I just did it once and did like a Japan Japan air over it and stomped it and it was, you know, I think I had those STS snowboarding pants, those real baggy yellow ones that like, um, yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah, that was like, I started like riding with Rick was just like, oh yeah, this is what you can do on a snowboard. Mm. Yeah, it's go pretty big. Yeah. Um, But actually the first person I saw go massive on a snowboard was Danny, Danny Kiwi Meyer. Oh, right. So just going back to the Obakuni days yeah. in the A-frame, um, Danny Danny knew the guys that knew the guy that owned the A-frame and was good mates with Craig Harris. It was all those guys, like ten years older than me, you know. Yeah. And so I went riding with Danny Meyer up at Tura, and, and he had a mate of his, Red Alarm from Switzerland, and he was like this little gymnastics dude, do handstands on a snowboard and stuff. 
so yeah rode with those guys and, and danny meyer just busted this indie off this like i don't know it was eagle eagles rock or, or clay's leap at tura and um was just like this probably 50 60 foot indie air and stomped the hell out of it and i was just like holy shit um you can do that on a snowboard you know yeah. yeah so that was the first time i saw some crazy stuff go down yeah but then rick claremont he was sort of doing similar stuff and um and that was when movies we were watching like riders on the storm and, and all those kind of movies and uh you know we, we were just sort of trying to do what those guys are doing and um couldn't really do that at Tura though because those guys were riding like waist deep snow in the states and it was like you get this ice at Tura and you're like i want to do that but the, it's too hard you know mm. but coming to tc it was like treble cone and car drone it was a bit of snow there so you could sort yeah. of start letting loose a bit more yeah oh sweet so did they end up doing a few seasons in wanaka in the 90s yeah oh i came down in 94 and then i skipped 95 i went off the rails a little bit in wellington i just sort of partied a bit too hard and mm. kind of lost my momentum with with snowboarding for a second so 94 i skipped out 94 uh 95 and then um got a job in wellies for nine months and then i was like nah this ain't me i need to get back on my snowboard so mm. uh saved up for like i don't know 11 months saved up like fucking 13 13 11 grand or some shit yeah. and went straight to the states all oh, right and uh cool. yeah went up to i was just like i'm going to mount baker oh yeah fuck yeah spiritual homeland yeah bro i've yeah. never been to america i didn't even think america was real you'd see it on tv and i was like i just want to go to mount baker because that's where craig kelly rides mm. from the videos and so there i just got i just basically yeah i went to when we rode mount baker so for the whole season no, 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 only for like two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And then I came I mean, back to came back did, to NZ. Did you cite uh, any pros over there that are yeah. notorious for that? Yeah, area? so I was, I was hitchhiking with this dude, and then he's like, oh, you're from New Zealand, that's cool. He's all, oh, I should take you on this hike up to Hemisphere, and Mount Baker was like way up top of Mount Baker, and it's quite a popular spot for, you know, riding and yeah, doing jumps and finding good terrain. So we're hiking up, and um, I'm looking up, and I'm like, shit that dude's got a burton snowboard and and the dude that i hitchhiked got the hitchhike ride with i was like bro is that who i think it is that craig kelly and he's all yeah man that's craig kelly so i was like i'm out of here so i just marched up and i knew craig kelly just got married in nz so i just walked up i was like hey hey craig i'm brent from new zealand and i knew he's saying i was from new zealand he was like oh no way man i just got married in nz you know and i was like oh yeah cool and so i started talking he was shooting it was him and a photographer shooting for power bar and um, I said to the photographer, I said, oh, do you mind if I follow you guys around? He's all, no, just, just stay out of the shot, stay out of the frame, you know? So awesome. they rocked up to this wind lip and like Craig Kelly was slashed it a couple of times. And um, yeah, I got a photo on my little Polaroid camera. Uh, and uh, I mean, There's yeah. no way anyone would let uh, some kid from New Zealand hang out in their photo oh, shoot now, eh? No, and Craig was stoked. He was like from NZ, you know, because I, mm. I heard he loved New Zealand too, so um yeah that was cool and then they were like off to the next spot so i strapped in and um i was trying to keep up but yeah craig was gone he was just like boom out of there but yeah i was stoked to meet him he, he actually lived at the base of mount baker in glacier right like the mount baker snowboard shop he just lived down the road from that but that was on the wish list too it was like i'm going to mount baker i'm going to the mount baker snowboard shop because that was in the videos yeah yeah so i was stoked um to do that and then i kicked it in seattle on that trip, I went to Jimi Hendrix's grave, 
because I was a big fan of Jimi Hendrix yeah. and um, went to his first guitar shop and then I was come back to NZ and then it was like I need to go snowboarding keep going snowboarding so, the, so. so that trip sort of reignited then yeah. enthusiasm yeah again yep totally and, and then I was just like okay I need to stay focused on snowboarding um, I just need to chase chase the snow and so did you end up so that brought you back down to Wanaka again uh, I actually went and did uh, two winters in the club fields um so I lived in Castle Hill Village, just sort of an hour and a bit out of Christchurch, and yeah, lived 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 there and and just rode the clubbies and just rode, just snowboarded and nothing else. It was like there was no shops, no dairies, just a few houses in, in Castle Hill Village, and um, just rode like uh, rode Craigieburn, Porter Heights, you know, so Cheeseman, the, Temple Basin. What was the motive behind choosing the that area over um, um, someone like Wanaka that you'd already been to? I don't know, eh? Hey. Uh, oh, Temple Basin, I think. Yeah, I was like, I want to go right. I want to go snowboard at Temple Basin because mm. everybody, because Temple Basin was just like the bomb and it looked wicked. So I went and stayed in Arthur's Pass for two weeks, and um, didn't get one day riding because the weather was wasn't that good. Yeah. And then um, these tourists were coming up and like, oh, we've been down at uh, you know, Porter Heights. It's been sunny all last week, and I'm like, what? I've just been sitting here waiting for Temple Basin to clear. I haven't done any snowboarding, so. I was like, I'm out of here. I was just staying at the backpackers by myself. And um, so I just went down to, that's when I went down to Castle Hill and then got a room with this dude, Bob Edge, at uh, this place called The Burn. So I rented a room off him, got a part-time job at the cafe on Mount Cheeseman. And then we did a lot of hiking over the back of Cheeseman with um, Dave O'Brien and Seamus O'Brien. Um, and I know... I know Trevor Ponting was floating around, didn't really ride with him then, but those, those guys were floating around the area too, yeah. and just over the range at, at Mount Hutt, um, you know, there, there was a bit of a posse there, so there was a bit of a scene going on, um, and uh, yeah, we did a lot of hiking out like Tarn Base in the back of Cheese, and there was this like massive windlip out there, so we just used to go and like drop some cliffs and shoots, and then we'd just hike this windlip, and it was just it was just snowboarding and nothing else, it was just like Dang. snowboarding every day. And then, uh, yeah, it was just day in, day out. How'd you go with the Nutcrackers the first time? Oh, yeah, they're pretty gnarly, eh? But, you know, you get you get, you get get to dial them in. But, yeah, there were some close calls. Mm. People used to get pretty messed up on those Nutcrackers, especially the Broken River one. Um, yeah, you'd hear of people's hands going between the cable and the wheel. And uh, I remember hitting my hip against... Because I, I, you used to ride them switch if it was on, like, your backside. But I was just, I'd just try and ride it normal. And, yeah. I remember like smashing into one of the wheels with my hip and that was pretty gnarly. So yeah, they were just, yeah, nutcrackers were crazy. And the thing is you'd snowboard with the nutcracker piece of steel on your on your belt too. Yeah. So, but you got used to it and um, yeah. But yeah, the club field days were cool. Hutchie, Hutchie, oh, yeah. was, Hutchie was killing it up there. And um, Hutchins, Grant so you Hutchinson. did two seasons down that way? And two, yep, two were seasons. Were you just going back to Wally for the summer or? Uh, no, I was going to uh Squaw Valley in Lake Tahoe. Oh, right. Yeah, so I this is I started doing back to back winters. Yeah. So um I went to Squaw Valley for three winters. So I went I went um I went Clubfield, Squaw I, I went Squaw Valley. Hang on, I can't remember. Hang on, what we so, Clubfield, Squaw Valley, Clubfield, Squaw Valley, and then I came back to Wanaka, Triple right. Cone, and then back to Squaw Valley. So that um yeah. Triple Cone season, was that the season that um you had a couple of pros show up at your 21st? Yeah, Dave Lee and Todd Shalosha. Um, yeah, there's a lot of pros coming to Wanaka yeah. by then. Steve Graham, um, Jamie Lynn. Yeah. 
Mm. Uh, all those guys have started coming here, Terry Harkinson. Um, and then, yeah, my, I hate my 21st because it's in September, so it, I, I get to go snowboarding on my birthday, which is, is always cool. And, um, yeah, Jean, Jean Claremont, uh, she threw a surprise. She's like, oh, Brent, come around for dinner. And um, so I went around for dinner and it was like a surprise 21st. Mm-hmm. and um, they hung me upside down in the rafters in the garage and gave me the yard glass. <laughs> and I was stoked because it went all over the floor. I was, like, dreading the yard glass. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was a cool party. And, yeah, there was a knock on the door, and I was passing the front, passing by the front door, and I opened the door, and I didn't know who it was. It was a couple of American dudes. And they're like, hey, man, we heard there's a party. They had a camper van. And I um, yeah. heard there's a party here. we got a keg. And I was like, I'll just go and ask the owner because Jean was pretty hardcore, Shaka Zulu. Mm. Uh, she's South African. She, she's pretty gnarly, you know. Mm. And she's, um, she didn't let anybody sort of come around. So I was just go, I'll just go and ask the owner and, and I just forgot. And then next minute these dudes were hanging out in the backyard with a keg and it turned out to be all the, um, the LibTech GNU dudes. Rare. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, mm. I mean, that's pretty rad. Dave Lee and Todd Schlosser, who were like the biggest, some of the biggest dudes at the time. Oh, bro, they were. Yeah, 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 it was a trip, you know, and so um, it was. It was a cool. It was a fun party, mm. and uh, pretty much everyone in Wanaka came. And uh, yeah, I didn't really get any sleep that night. And the next day was a powder day, and we're up triple cone <laughs> riding all day, and, and like you know, knee deep, thigh deep powder. So it was that was a cool twenty mm. first for sure. I mean, and was that when you were working in the park crew? Nah, was that was a couple park? years later. So that was right. that might have been. Uh, the park crew at TC, I think, was '98 with Steve Ferguson oh, right. and um, John Pickens. So we're sort of talking about '96 with the Dave Lee, yeah, Tonsil Yeah, sort of thing. Oh, yeah. cool. Mean. And um, well, it's gone to that then '98. So TC is obviously not a place that's associated with park riding whatsoever. But you were working up there as park crew. Yeah, so Jim Mangan, um, he's an American guy. He, he, he could drive a groomer and he was a really good snowboarder. And um, he actually went on to do Park City, blow up Park City terrain parks. And um, But he had a job building the terrain park at Treble Cone. And um, he built this terrain park. It was just insane. And um, there was like the park crew. There was like myself, Dave O'Brien and Chuck. Uh, Damien Emin, yeah, Enyan, Chuck, we, we were, we had our little three-guy posse, so we did like three or four days a week in the park, and then um, Steve Ferguson, John Pickens, and I can't remember who else, um, they were the other little, so we had, you know, we did shift work and just sort of um, called ourselves the park rangers, and um, just had this sick terrain park up at TC, right. and it was popping, yeah. So whereabouts was the park on TC? Um, it was basically at the top of the six. Oh yeah, yeah. To the uh, riders' left. If you come off the six, you go riders' left and right. down. Yeah, and he and Jim kind of built it, molded. It was kind of molded to the like the contours of the mountain, and mm. it just flowed. And uh, it was just really good for working in a ter- working as a, a, a terrain park. Um, you know, guy um, snowboarder. You get you get pretty good because you you kind of have to be up there pretty much every day. Mm making sure the jumps are, you know, opening the jumps, and then, you you know, you, you then you go riding, and and it doesn't matter what day it is. It's like what, what the weather's doing. You're, still, you're just riding park a lot and keeping an eye on the park and making sure it's... So you spend a lot of time on your board. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was um yeah, yeah a lot of time. It was like you'd be snowboarding 9 to 4 every day, you know. And you guys had to find your own way up to work. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, um I think, what was I driving? I don't know. It was like... 
an old Ford Laser. Oh yeah. Actually, I brought it down. I got I got T-bone in Wellington just after I brought it, oh. and um, I kind of bent the chassis, but it still went. And um, I brought it down to Wanaka, and we just cruised up in that. And uh, yeah, me. And so, what was this about? Um park ranger or park ranger says you got to leave move on oh the, yeah how, how do you know about that well, you told me a long time oh, ago oh really yeah, yeah. well cuz back then we had the they had the camper camper van problem on the lakefront right you know so there was all these camper vans would just park up and kind of litter the lakefront no we were park rangers so I was living on Norman Terrace with uh, Rowan Catsburg uh, their family home yeah. and um or holiday home or yeah and uh so we were living on Norman Terrace and we We'd go snowboarding all day, and then we'd come home, have a kip, and then we'd drink, and then we'd come into town, and we kind of did it every night, you know, it was day in, day out. Mm. And I uh, would walk into town, and there'd be these camper vans, and we'd be like, um, uh, no free no free camping on the lakefront, move along, and we'd throw stones at these camper vans. It was pretty, pretty <laughs> bad, but um, we caught, yeah, we were on this buzz of like, we're the park rangers, move along, no free camping, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. Yes, poor, poor campers, you know, they're like, what, people throwing stones at our campers and... Again, just way ahead of your time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know, man, it was, just, it was just a funny thing, you know, and we just had this thing, the park rangers, and like, by day we were park rangers up the mountain making sure the terrain park was on point, and then by night we were um, making sure there was uh, no, no, free, no free camping on the lakefront, we were just doing our jobs, you know, uh, citizens on patrol. And... Uh... <laughs> And what's what's the story about the one where with the cup of tea? The cup of tea. Didn't didn't one of you guys like? You guys were throwing rocks or stones at the camper. Like, Move along. Oh yes, yeah, so, yeah. Someone came out and was like, "Would you like a cup of tea?" <laughs> and we're like, "Well, what?" Oh, sorry, sorry. You're all good. You you're okay. <laughs> Park ranger says you can stay. Yeah, yeah. You you offer us a cup of tea. So, <laughs> Oh shit! And so this time, did you get to see any, or were you a part of the Wanaka Big Ears or anything like that? that um, yeah, I'd go along and watch, and I really, I always wanted to enter, but um, yeah, I don't know, I just didn't really, didn't really step up and enter. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I probably mm. should have. <laughs> I, th- those jumps always look really icy. Yeah, and, and I was always like, I don't want to like mess myself up. I was like, quite happy on the sideline watching. Gnarly scaffold as well. That was Barrow's days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so did this lead you to moving or doing seasons in Utah? Yeah, so I, I did like, so I was on a roll doing back-to-backs and I'd done three winters in Tahoe, Squaw Valley and, and around Lake Tahoe and then um, I was like, oh, I really want to go to Banff. Oh, yeah. And then Jean had gone to Utah, her and Rick, and then she was like, dude, don't go to Banff, come to Utah, I've got a room for you. Snowbirds going off. Um, righty right, and I was like, well, I don't know anyone in Banff. Gene and Rick are in Utah, riding Snowbird, driest powder on earth. Um, so, yeah, off I went to Utah, and um, they got things rolling in Utah. Right. So, yeah, ended up going, doing three winters in Utah. Oh, yeah. And then mixing it up, spring up to Whistler, Blackcomb in Canada. Um, yeah, but, yeah, Utah was insane. Snowbird was just a whole nother level and Rick Claremont he was riding with this dude that was like kind of semi-pro for Solomon and um they just had the mountain dialed mm. and so I was just riding snowbird with them and just doing some crazy shit I nearly died up there fucking hell how so 
I was one day I was riding with Rick and Rowan Katzberg and because uh, Rowan Katzberg came over and stayed with me for a little bit and because um, I I told him about it and um and uh I just kind of like Rick following Rick down was like Rick was full noise so I was follow, following Rick down and um he stopped but I carried on over this bluff and um it was like way oh, knee deep waist deep power and um the snow just gave way and I kind of slid and fell and uh landed on this one tr- one tree that was sticking out kind of horizontal and I was like bear hugging this tree looking up and then let uh Rick come looks over the over the edge and goes, Brent, Brent, don't look down. So what I do, I look down and it's like I don't know, three hundred feet to rocks. Fucking hell. Yeah, and I was just like, holy shit, um, shit, how am I going to get out of this? And so I was like, oh, don't unstrap, because like that's the last thing you want to do is unstrap, because like you know. Um, mm. So I kind of made my way back across this tree, strapped, still strapped into my board, and then kind of managed to hop up above this tree. And then um, traverse across on my toes above this massive cliff. And the whole time the snow was kind of giving way. And oh, I was God. just like, man, um, I need to get out of this situation. And Rick was like, I'm going to get ski patrol. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to sit here and wait for ski patrol. I need to get out of here. And so, yeah, I managed to get myself out of, of the sticky situation. Mm. And then um, we got back on the chairlift and rode up and looked across and saw where I was like groveling around and saw the drop and it was pretty much probably death i'd say because it was just rocks like 300 foot to rocks Fucking hell. and i kind of was having this kind of like i kind of was having this out of body experience i was like i just feel weird i need to i was like dude i need to go home i just yeah i'm peacing out i was just kind of had the shakes and i was just like i just nearly died i'm like out of here yeah, shit like so yeah i just day. yeah and it was only like yeah. you know 10 o'clock in the morning and um i was like i'm going home i just went home put my feet up and chilled yeah. out and then <laughs> Went back up the next day and rode hard, mm. nine till four. Mean. Just and were you, back on the, yeah. Were you coming back to New Zealand at this point or were you yeah. staying over there? Yeah, I was doing back to backs. So I was coming back to Wanaka um, and then riding Treble Cone and Snow Park. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it uh, was when Snow Park just started up. So, um, yeah, I was mm. yeah, doing back to back winters and um, all of a sudden it all came to a halt. I was about to go to Japan. So I was. Been down here for a winter, mm. and then I think it was uh, 2000, 99, 2000. Um, went back to Wally, started working, making money, about to go to Japan because, like, everyone was going to Japan, all the, all the shredders, um, like Quentin and Ollie, mm. they were going to Japan and then going on to the States and Clean Howe and all those guys. They were like going to Japan on a working holiday, snowboarding yeah. and working, and then coming to the States with all this cash and carrying on the winter, the Northern Hemi. And I was like, I want to do that. So I got my ticket to Japan. And then all of a sudden, my mum got sick with cancer, and she was given 18 months to live. No, she was given six months to live, and I was like, um, I can't go to Japan now because my mum's sick. Mm. So sort of ended up staying in Wellington, and yeah, put the snowboarding on hold for 18 months, and then she passed away. She passed away like a year and a half later, and then um, I ended up, it was like midwinter, I was like, as soon as she passed away, I was like, see you later, everyone. Straight back to Wanaka. Got the second half of the season at Snow Park. Um, but at that point, I was trying to do all the tricks I was doing before I stopped. Yeah. 80 months before. And didn't quite, couldn't quite stop landings like I was. And I was like, no, oh, it's not really working out. Mm. And um, right around that time, 
I bought some turntables and started buying records and started DJing. Mm. Got into DJing with um, and so I was like, my snowboarding's kind of. I'm 28, and my snowboarding's not really... Uh, at the time, I was like, my snowboarding's not going off like it was. Mm. So I just basically stopped snowboarding. Didn't snowboard at all for like four years and just got straight into DJing. So shifted all that energy and focus from snowboarding straight into DJing. Mm. And oh, then, sweet. yeah, that's... Um, so I want to rewind the tape to the Utah seasons for a hot minute there. Um... <clears throat> Because I, I read, I think, in a manual magazine, like you were painting in between. Yeah, that's what I was funding my snowballing. And something about a bum going through the trash. Oh, trash dog. Yeah. Yeah, this dude in uh, Utah, we used to see this dude go through the trash and he'd ride the bus. And um, he, he was a scared dude in the onesie and had these like jam jar glasses and this big, he looked like a wizard. And he was always up the mountain. Like we're we're up there, we're up at Brighton and snowboarding every day. And, and Trash Dog would be up there going through the trash, have a feed. And he was out, would be out, would be out the back, and would see Trash Dog like weaving through the trees. And then um, after the, after winters in Utah, would go to um, Whistler in spring. And we were up at Seventh Heaven at um, Blackcomb or Whistler, and we, we, we were uh, shredding. And we're up at the cafe, and who pops up? Is this Trash Dog from trash Utah? Dog, this really? same dude. So it was like. Holy heck, he's this trash dog. So yeah, that, that was pre- that was pretty funny. It was like this mm. dude that was like on the mission, like we were just chasing the snow, and um, he'd go through the trash to eat. Yeah, he was Fucking just hell, going through the trash up. to eat, and um, but he was always would see him shredding, just ripping pal at, at uh, in Brighton, and then All he popped right. up in Whistler. It was crazy. It was like this dude's on the same buzz. All right, now I could have my wires crossed here. I thought I read in that same interview like he was going through and swore he found like a human skull or some shit oh yeah i got this little job in utah painting and um the the people were cleaning out their house and um they came across this human skull fucking hell actually uh, at this house that i was painting yeah yeah i was painting with these um these dudes from uh i don't know they're like from 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 an arab country or russian yeah some russian um country and um yeah that, that was pretty freaky yeah Mm. But uh, yeah, that was crazy. They, they'd like drink vodka at Smoko. And so my first day on the job, it was like, Brent, come here. And it was like having, having Smoko. And they pulled out a bottle of vodka and started doing shots. And I was just like, uh, had a couple of shots. And then it was just like, yeah, I was like pretty, pretty wasted. And it wasn't even lunchtime. And I was like trying to paint and up on this roof. And right. And then so you go into Whistler. And how did the working in the brewery come around? Uh, that was a job. We got in Whistler. Uh, this dude had like a, 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 a sort of a microbrewery um, and really nice beer, craft beer, and he'd hire Kiwis and Aussies and pay them cash. And so we, we, we worked in this brewery, we got the jobs through this Aussie dude, and um, that was cool. We would go snowboarding, <coughs> excuse me, we'd go snowboarding, and then um, we'd go and work in the brewery at like 3 p.m. and um, on this conveyor belt with these beers, and they brew it cold. So, so the first hour you weren't allowed to drink, but after the first hour you're allowed to start drinking. So, <laughs> so you know, we'd, yeah, we'd start drinking after an hour, and it was rad, we'd been snowboarding all day, and then it was like working in this brewery, getting like 10 bucks cash an hour, and, and, um, and, and drinking, and, and like all the crooked labels on the bottles we were allowed to take with us, so we'd fill oh, our yeah. backpacks at the end of the shift, and we'd, we'd, you know. Perfect for a broke snow shredder, eh? Bro, it was, yeah. just, it was rad, and, and we'd use the beers as barter in, in, the, in, the, in Whistler Village, so, you know, we knew people that worked in cafes and 
like takeaway joints and so one would just go and take a take a bunch of beers into the like a burger joint and would swap these expensive craft beers for like a, a meal and so it was like a the whole you know it was, it was bartering yeah that's how we got by man because we turned up to whistler broke you know we had yeah. nothing like I, I used to ring my brother back home and say, can you send me some money until I come home? <laughs> so, you know, little little um, jobs like that. And um, in Utah, um, <clears throat> there, there was a, a bagel bagel chain called um, Einstein Bagels. And um, you get like a card off the counter. And if you got like 12 clicks, you'd get like a baker's dozen of bagels or wraps or coffees. So um, we had a friend that um, picked up the clipper for the... The, the little um, Einstein bagels clipper that you clip the little tickets with, yeah. and he, yeah, our, our flatmate had a clipper, clipper, and um, so we'd just get these big stacks of these cards from Einstein bagels, almost like probably twelve Einstein bagels around the area chain thing. So we'd just be at, at, at our flat at night clipping tickets, uh, Einstein bagel <laughs> tickets, and then we'd just go to we'd just mix it up with all the sh- all the Einstein bagel stores, and we'd just go and get free bagels. So we always had bagels. So that was another way we we got to eat um, for free. Yeah, the, you know, the things oh, you know you kind of had to do that to to yeah. get by because, um, but also in Utah we we worked at a cafe. Rowan Katzberg um, paved the way, and uh, he got a job at the cafe at Brighton. And so the dude would once again hire Kiwis and Aussies, and would get paid cash, and would work two or three hours on a Monday unloading the food truck for the for the restaurant cafe, the oh, Rose Cafe, and uh, Fridays. And uh, most times it would take probably an hour. Right. And, and, and doing that, we got cash, we got a season's pass, we got a bus pass, we got free food. So we'd turn up and have breakfast at, at the Rose Cafe, and then we'd go out riding, we'd come in for lunch, we're allowed to go make our own burgers. And then, and, and then when we finished riding for the day, we were allowed to take food home. Holy shit! Yeah, rolling. yeah, dude. So like, we were like bageled up. We were like cafe, uh, rose cafe food, just like eating for free, eating like kings, and um, and snowboarding, and and yeah, it was it was the awesome. buzz. It was the buzz. Yeah. Fuck, that's. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah, you, yeah. you kind of had to to get by, you know. Um, mm. You had to eat, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's how we got by. Mean. I think we might be rewinding the tape here a bit more, but how did? Uh, the sponsorship come around because you were writing for Evol. Um, yeah, uh, sponsor sponsorship. Um, the first sponsor was the boardroom. Right. So yeah, Craig Craig Harris put me on the shop team, and then I remember I got sent some Santa Cruz bindings, and Craig's well, I got some bindings for you, and gave me these Santa Cruz bindings, and I was like, oh, how much? And he's all they're free. I'm like, what do you mean? He's all oh, the rep just sent me these bindings to give to you because you're a shop writer. So I was like, holy shit, sponsorship's a thing, you know. So that was my first taste of sponsorship. So, um, yeah, I ended up picking up more sponsors through the boardroom. Um, and then I got on Ruapehu, Mount Ruapehu, gave me free season passes. I'd have to basically give them a photo a season to keep the season pass rolling. So I had about four years of free season passes from Ruapehu and... Um, at the time, Craig Harris put me on Avalanche Snowboards, um, <clears throat> yeah, and then Level Gloves, <coughs> and then, uh, <clears throat> yeah, what else started coming from there? Yeah, I just had a couple of sponsors there, and then, um, yeah, Evol. Craig started importing Evol Snowboards, which was um, H Street, mm. originally H Street Skateboards, Tony yeah. Magnuson. In the States, yeah, so Evol, I got on Evol, and uh, that was cool, because when I went over to the States, I went to the factory and got hooked up with 
boards, outerwear, um, you know. So um, yeah, that was that was cool. So and were you actually on the international Evolve team? Or nah, were just like, I was oh, just on flow. Dude? Yeah, I just went in with some my resume. You know, I put together a little um, sponsor me booklet with photos and um i'd had photos from like the club fields of that kicker in town basin had Mm. some pretty some some cool shots going you know getting some air and um yeah just put together a sponsor me a little booklet and some skateboarding shots and because they did osiris shoes and arcade skateboards and so yeah i i um they were stoked and they they were like dude you're ripping here's here's a whole bunch of free product right yeah so that was that was cool um Road Evolve for a while, and then uh, you, you, going back to Brighton, Utah, um, I went back and um, I think, I don't know, Craig Evolve kind of fizzled out, and Gene uh, was like, oh, Brent, I know the rep for M3, Millennium 3, and it was like a new snowboard brand that just started up, and mm. um, a whole bunch of rippers, Mikey LeBlanc, um, Blaze Rosenthal, yeah. Um, you know, Mitch Nelson was a local Utah guy mm. on M3. Um, he he, he was... gave me a board as well. Well, the first M3 board I got, Gene knew the rep yeah. and was like, um, oh, hey, I, this Kiwi dude, you know, he's looking for a board mm. to ride. And um, so the rep sent me uh, a board, uh, an M3. And that was right, probably like the same year M3 started up. And um, yeah, Johnny Mac turned up. The photographer for manual and New Zealand snowboarder and transfer and all that Johnny McCormick he turned up and stayed with us and um took photos and I was on an M3 and uh after that winter and at Brighton I came back to NZ and all these photos uh popped up in a couple of magazines like manual and um NZ snowboarder and I was riding the CM3 board and that was right when pyramid distribution they were doing Northwave and Drake. They um they started importing M3, and mm. I guess they were looking for team riders. And they saw these photos, and they were like, "Dude, you you're on, so you're Man. on the team, yeah." So um yeah, those guys, I think they were pretty stoked because all of a sudden I got these boards, I got M3 boards, I got um Drake bindings, Northwave boots, um six eight six. So it'd been you and Logan Holt flying the M3 flag down here it was yeah i was on m3 for about a year and then uh then logan jumped on too Mm. yeah so um yeah they just sent me all the stuff man boxes of product like um because head to toe everything i remember that mission johnny mccormick did down to utah because we have a mutual friend or had a mutual friend les leslie boardman yeah rest in peace and rest in peace les and um, we were going on our way to do the season of Fernie. He's like, oh, I just got to see some homies in Banff. And it was J-Mac. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and he was like, oh, I'm piecing out to Utah. Oh, and yeah, then, yeah, no way. And then... So J-Mac, what, was it, were you there? Oh, like in Banff. We in crossed Banff. paths with those dudes. Wicked. And, uh, and then Les and I shot through to Fernie. Yep. And... J-Mac was heading down to Utah to link up with you. Yes, yeah. And that was the Same first, trip. Time, first time I heard of you because Les was speaking very highly. Mm. And then uh, so I remember seeing the pictures yeah, Well, Les up. was on the boardroom too. He was getting a little mm. bit of flow from the boardroom. Yeah. Yeah, so um, and Les was ripping, yeah. Because I remember that was the first, because he would speak really highly. Brent this, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's, and he's, then, he's um, a good guy. He's a good, he's a dude. An incredibly, incredibly passionate dude. And then, yeah. but I, because all I knew of was through New Zealand snowboarder. I hadn't seen anything. Mm. And so the first image I seen was that in manual 
M3 board frontside nose bone. I was like, oh, that's the dude Les was talking about. Oh, yeah, half yeah. pipe shot, frontside yeah, yeah. nose bone. Yeah, that was at the Brighton um, pipe. Yeah, half pipe. Mm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, those those were some good times. Um, that was when Forum started up too. So at Brighton, it was like JP Walker, Jeremy Jones, all those dudes were um, kicking it around Brighton as well when we were there. So they were building jumps out Brighton. And, um, yeah, the terrain... Yeah, the terrain was phenomenal at Brighton. And those guys would come through the pipe at the end of the day after they'd been sessioning kickers. And Sweet. We, were, we were like, oh, yeah, there goes those dudes. Because um, you guys, you knew those dudes from Whistler as well or something, right? Well, I mean, they're Utah dudes, but you were skating with yeah, them. Yeah, we, we they, they kind of like JP Walker and Jeremy Jones are kind of weird, man. They kind of like stuck to themselves. You try to say hi and they'd just be kind of like blank you know and um, yeah. they were just focused on doing their thing but we, we, we didn't really know at that point how good they were yeah but we saw them rocking with all this fresh gear like forum and alphanumeric and all that kind of stuff and then it turns out they, they were just like they were the, the the dudes in the forefront of snowboarding and they were they were going to whistler too for spring so mm. we, we were going up to whistler for spring and then they would pop up and like we were skateboarding the it was when the new whistler skate park there's an old whistler skate park and at that time they put the new one with like a pyramids and ledges so we were still skateboarding hard out we're probably doing a that that season we're doing more skateboarding than snowboarding mm. and so we're skating the park like jp walker and um jeremy jones and all those guys i guess they were doing all their backcountry whistler stuff at the time yeah yeah so it was like the forum eight and they were all kicking it up Shit, so that's almost at the height of infamy as far as like yeah. they were a fucking huge deal chris Duffy, eh? yeah peter line they were all kicking it up around there because so. it was like it was like the only snow, and, and there was like parks up on the um, glaciers at the time. So, you know, the, the hub of snowboarding up there in spring, uh, April, yeah, which is spring for the Northern Hemi. Yeah. Whistler was just crazy, good vibes, lots of pros. And, and for us, we were stoked too because, you know, we were I'm trying to get amongst it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's cool and see, see the best in the world doing their thing. And yeah. Gives you a insane. bit of a gauge. Yeah, um, it's cool that you kind of mentioned skating because I'm kind of going to swing back around to that because uh, I remember seeing footage of you skating sort of it was almost like Welcome to Hell inspired what's this about a gap that was like named after you or some shit yeah well because I, I I was always skateboarding and then I started snowboarding so um, you know I was going big on I was doing big jumps on, on snowboards and, and then so my skateboarding was kind of I was into doing big stuff on my skateboard too. So like I ollied over my car off this gap drop down thing and stuff like that, you know. Mm. And yeah, um, Caleb from Manual Magazine, he, he was like, dude, there's this massive gap out at Nairanga Gorge in Wellington. And he took me out there and and I was just like, yeah, it's massive, you know. And um, But um, I was about to go back to the States snowboarding and uh, I was like, I need to do that gap before I go back. Mm. snowboarding so yeah it was like the day before I flew out I went and did this gap and um, no one had done it before on a skateboard and um, yeah they called it the Brent's Green Gap and I don't think anybody <laughs> else I don't think anybody else did it for a few years and then this dude um, another skateboarder from the hut I think he went out in front side 180 ollied it and uh yeah, so like you got it. I'll have to find some pictures of this. Of yeah, this I've actually got the old school footy on video. Yeah, which I transferred onto digital. Me, I've got that. So, so yeah, that was that was um, yeah that was fun times in Wellington. That was the same era as uh, T Machine. So Matt Russell opened up a skate park oh, down yeah. 
in, in an old uh, warehouse by the railway yards in Wellington and, and called um, Tea Machine. And um, that, that was really good for skateboarding. Um, and uh, night, night sessions, we'd go and skate at night until like 2 a.m. And just um, drink, he had, a, he had a soda machine there, so we'd just go drink soda and skate. This indoor skate park <laughs> that Matt Russell um, had a guy that ran it and lived there. So, you know, that was that era too, yeah. Mm. So, like, with skating and snowboarding at this time, like, who were some of the influences you were looking at, both local or international? For skateboarding and snowboarding? Yeah. Uh, skateboarding, Wellington, Bernard Fu. Yeah. Um, still the Gregoroffs. Yeah. Always inspirational. Um, and then, like, snowboarding, I don't know, uh, Ollie Brunton, Quentin Robbins. Yeah. Um, Quentin Robbins. And they were pretty powerful in that era, right? Dude. Yeah. Yeah, I, I seen Quentin Robbins um, ripping TC, and he was just like, every hit, he was just flowing tricks, you know ones threes fives just yeah. top to bottom tc full noise fast and just like cat they used to call him the cat because he'd always land on his feet yeah um yeah so quentin robbins yeah he was in the forefront for sure yeah kind of um taking we random segue here but you were you were living in la in the mid 90s yeah right. yeah so um yeah i was living in la uh, off and on for three and a half years and back then you could go and live in the states for six months and then um, you could get an extension for nine months. So, yeah, it was like 97. I lived in L.A. Uh, well, I lived in the States for nine months. And, and I was working in L.A. in the valley and skateboarding all the, all the schoolyards. And um, out of the videos, you know, the day one, day one song spots and and all the ended up being all the girl skateboards, all those skate spots you see in the videos. So it was yeah. like in the valley and in, in L.A. I was like... So, so if we watch like Mouse from Girl, we'd be like, "Fuck, that's the spots." Yeah, well, like Santa Monica Courthouse, you know, I used to go Red. skate that all the time, and um, I'd go and skate schoolyards with the picnic tables and the, and the benches and um, and that. So yeah, I was I was basically living in um, L.A. working, and I lived in this crazy ass pad. Um, that I, I had a little Chevy pickup truck, I had a petrol car, I had a job. Um, and I lived at this house that had like a brand new tennis court, which was cool because I was into my tennis. Um, yeah, I just kind of like they had an aeroplane. The family that I lived with had an aeroplane. Oh, shit. Um, and and the, the sons, so, they raced cars, sprint cars. They were traveling around the States. So, yeah, I kind of fell on my fell on my feet there and, and, and yeah. had a pretty good ticket. And, um, so you had a green card or something? No. Nah, um, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was from LA. All right. And uh, so she would get paid. Her dad, we worked for her dad. We actually lived at her dad's house. And um, he, he'd get, he hired us and, and she would, um, she'd get paid twice the amount. And um, I was working in a little shipping department and, and uh, sending out these parcels. And so, you know, we'd mm. split the pay packet and I didn't have to pay rent and didn't have to pay for food. And, and uh, yeah, it was cool. I was on this. You know, had, had this, had this, uh, had this missus, and, and we were traveling, and brought her down to. I brought her, actually brought her back to Wanaka, and she, she, she didn't really dig it because she's from the valley in LA. She liked to go to the malls and go shopping, and, <laughs> yeah, and all that. Stuff. You know, she had a little Chihuahua, and and yeah. um, and they had like seven Chihuahuas actually, and uh, yeah. yeah, it was um, yeah, that was there was some cool times, and that was good mm. for my snowboarding because I I, I could like and skateboarding because like, I was skateboarding in LA, and then I was going to snowboard and score mm. and then you know and um i was coming back to nz and then i was going back I, like I, i'd come back to nz from 
I'd come back to NZ and go snowboarding for like three months and then I'd go back to Wally and work for a month. Well, one time I worked like 73 days straight mm. and then I was straight back to the States. And um, so a lot of time on board. Yeah, I was just skateboarding and snowboarding and that was it. Man. And um, I had a pretty good ticket in the States, so it, it, it worked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Church of Skating. Oh, Church of Skating. Yeah, so that was up in Santa Barbara. So that was that was around the same time. And and um, a cousin of the family I live with, he was on DVS, and he was sponsored by uh, Shorties and Church of Skating. That was pretty funny actually because um, his stepmother was religious, and he was sponsored by the skate shop called Church of Skating. <laughs> and she was like, you, she, yeah, she yeah, it was pretty. She was hit. I wouldn't say hell bent because she, she was. Um, <laughs> she was like I. She just wasn't into him being sponsored by the shop because of the mm. name. But, yeah, that was pretty pretty cool times. That was Shorty, Shorty's, when Shorty's first came about, you know, the mm. Chad Muska oh, so days. The, so, the um, peak, eh? yeah, yeah. I was, I, you know, I went to like a, a big a comp down at um, the Universal Studios and, and Muska was, Chad Muska was there skating and that era, he was like big, you know. So it was that kind of era of like mm. the mid to late 90s of, um, yeah, it was just, it was crazy, man. It was so, like, I was just skating all these spots you see around LA and and then I was going snowboarding in in, in uh, Utah and um, Lake Tahoe so oh, it was yeah it was it was buzzy times kind of living the dream yeah yeah pretty much oh man well a lot of us um sort of my generation we associate more with uh, Mad Wax yeah which is uh an extremely iconic wax brand that you know, like we used for a long time in the Cadrona workshop and stuff. And yeah, you you hooked um, us up with that when we you were like our first big oh shit supplier. Oh, yeah, you, you you made that one happen at Cardi's, like because we we met over the phone. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I got on the sales with Madwax, and, yeah. and you were like, yeah, bro, we'll we'll start we'll get into Cardrona, and <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, like, that you were like one of our first accounts. It was like fucking nearly ten years before we actually met face to face. Dude, yeah, and so but, um, yeah, that was. That was rad. Thanks for that. Yeah, you, you got oh. the ball rolling because so because after after we got into Cardrona, thanks to you, I, I you had to make all these cold calls, you know, trying to get the product out there. And mm. I was like, oh, you know, Cardrona is stocking it. Oh, Cardrona stocking it. We'll stock it. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah. Rad. So because of that, it, it gave the, the the brand credibility, and um, so yeah, that's we got the ball Man. rolling. And so you know, mm. we started stocking um, some pretty well known stores and chain stores in mm. New Zealand and um that, that yeah they got the ball rolling. Right. So for how sure. did how did Madwax or the idea of a wax brand come about? Um I just kind of stumbled across it, eh? Like when I was in riding Brighton, um we were hitting a jump one day with this Mormon kid and um there was quite a bit of flat flat ground before the, the kicker, before mm. the takeoff and we were struggling to get speed and this Mormon kid was just launching we were just like, dude, how, what, what wax are you using? And he's, I just got this wax from the supermarket. So um, after that day, we went and got wax from the supermarket, this cheap wax, and we waxed up, and it was just like super fast wax. And like, I think the first day that we tried this wax was a powder day. It was like a knee deep powder day, and um, we were on the chairlift at Brighton, and um, it was like me, Rowan Katzberg, Dave O'Brien, um, Casey Loder that went on to do um, low key films um snowboard movies and um we were on the chair going up and i was like man because everything was like mad this mad that mad yeah. mad dope yeah and i was like this wax is mad fast and um 
they're like, yeah, it is. And I was like, mad wax. And they're oh, like, mad wax. That's how it came about. So before we got to the top of the lift, it was like, I'm gonna um, buy whole, I'm gonna buy heaps of this wax and take it back to NZ and, and remold it and start up a wax brand called Mad Wax. Brand. So that's how it came about. Yeah, that's how the name came about. Um, I, I went on later on to learn that there was a surf movie called Mad Wax, like years before mm. we started Mad Wax. So it was kind of like surfers would be like, oh, have you seen the video? And uh, you know, Mad Wax, you know, so um, but yeah, that's how Mad Wax came about basically. And did that involve you in did that sort of evolve into you creating in other formulas? Of, yeah, so I came from that, I came back to NZ and I had a little stash of these bars of wax, and you know, I had like a couple of kgs of it, and um, came back and I was like trying to source the wax out from the states to bring back to NZ and remold it. And then someone was like, dude, why don't you just try and make up your own? So um, I didn't really know where to start. I started making some phone calls. And this dude this dude from um, BP Petroleum, I got a hold of him. He was an Aussie. And I, I rang. I said, oh, this is what I'm trying to achieve. And um, he's all, try this, try that, try that. So I just started basically brewing up this these formulas um, in my brother's garage. I was renting a room at my brother's. And I uh, started brewing up these formulas and then um, winter came around and went up to Ruapau with Craig Harris from the boardroom and we tried this this wax that I was experimenting with and um, we strapped in and, and started skating to the lift line and was like, nearly like slipped out. It was so, it was so <laughs> slick. And I was like, what do you reckon? And Craig was like, dude, this wax is insane. This is good wax. And um, yeah, and it was, it was durable. It stayed on the board. Um, it was fast. Um, and so, I, I, yeah, I nailed the formula, got all the molds made up, um, got got logos sorted, mm. and, and then um, started pumping out this wax. Man, because you had a pretty um, heavy team to start with, right? Yeah. So it was like Mark Katzberg and Steve Steve Ferguson, Ferguson Jar Harris. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we had a, had a pretty stacked team. Joel Westcott, um, <clears throat> lots of... Uh, yeah, lots of really good riders mm. at the time in the New Zealand snowboarding scene. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was riding with those guys. So, basically, I had this wax, and I came down to Wanaka with all this mad wax, and mm. <coughs> had all these cool gra- graffiti-style stickers, and yeah. it was just giving all my friends so I was snowboarding with stickers and wax and beanies, and Rowan Katzberg did up a wee website, and... Um, and yeah, and then, you know, all of a sudden we were just rocking this Mad Wax in Wanaka and then people were asking for it and I was hooking people up and there were stickers everywhere and mm. and it just pretty much blew up pretty quick. Yeah, it just took off. Because mm, I'm, I'm pretty sure your whole original team was in the first um, in Insurrection, the first Loki film, like... Yeah, yeah you know, it was Mad Wax was one of the sponsors. What was so you guys sponsored those films or? Yeah, yeah. Like, so basically, because you know, after we started um, building up our distribution network, um, you know, the first movie came out by Loki Films um, was Insurrection. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so I just was like, I said to Casey that was making the, the movies. I said, Oh, dude, I why don't I try and sell them to all the shops that we're selling the Mad Wax to? So I kind of took on the distribution of the, the DVD and, um, yeah, started pumping out, you know, just sending out the DVD or sample DVDs um, with the wax. You chuck a free DVD in with some, you know, if you buy a 50-pack of wax, you get a free DVD. Yeah. I've, I've still got the videotape of Insurrection. No way. Yeah, yeah. And there, and Sick. Kind of, um, the tape. 
Yeah, yeah. Holy heck. I didn't have a DVD player at that time. Yeah, yeah. And Classic. It's going I, back. I've got to get a hold of Matt Proctor and see if he can convert it for me. Oh, he'll like, be able to do that, yeah. Everyone's, fuck, like, so many good sections, like Russell Mitchell, his section was awesome. Steve Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. Steve Ferguson that had that same... Was it casual, the hip hop? Yeah, dude. Yeah, and then you're like, gonna lose in the yeah, end. and then you're and gonna then you lose had, in the end. And then yeah. you had a hip hop Mark Katzberg as well. Oh, he was in that one. Yeah, it was hip hop. Hip hop was heavy around that time. Like everybody was into hip hop. You know, hip hop in was, the '90s just took off, and um, yeah. everybody was gangsters. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Hip hop was Joel, the thing. Yeah, Joel Westcott had the clash, and it was a fucking awesome video. Yeah, like, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was a wicked video, and mm. like Christian Phillips was he in the next one. KP, I think it was yeah, yeah. like um, Haley Holt. Haley um, Holt. So, so we're going sort of, sort of your second team incarnation here, right? Like, um, so oh, the the team just kept growing. Like, yeah, you know, once like people like Steve Ferguson and Mark Katzberg and Dan Fountain, Joel Westcott, what you know, those guys were repping it, and then all of a sudden, everybody wanted to rep it. So, um, right. Haley Holt. Um, Logan Holt, yeah, yeah the team yeah. just got huge. Like I think there was like sixteen to twenty people on the team in it, the first it, year. It sort of became like the Snow Park logo. You just see the Mad Wax die cut stickers yeah. on everyone's boards and shit. Eh? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the Jackways boys were on board too. Yeah, so I think I hooked up Tim first. Yeah, Tim was on OG. Yeah. Tim Tim Jackways was on yeah. OG uh, on Mad Wax, and then uh, Will. Yeah, we hooked up Will, and um, yeah, Will. Obviously, just started going ape shit on a snowboard. Yeah. So, um, basically, you know, when you when you start up a brand and and then you got you got a sort of a bunch of a couple of select riders that just are kind of absolutely ripping. Then it's kind of like you start looking after them because you want those guys that are in the forefront of snowboarding. So, mm. if you're going to sponsor someone, you want the whoever's in the forefront, whoever's leading the way. So mm. yeah, we I, I kind of pushed a bit of attention towards Will. Mm. Gave him his own bar of wax. Um, Jar Harris. Yeah. He he got his own bar of wax. Um, Shelly Gottlieb got her own bar. So that that pitch on hers was awesome. Up at Tura yeah. over the cat. Yeah. The, the over the the groomer the, the and, caterpillar. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that was, Ferg's got a bar too. Right. Ferg's got a bar. And Mark, uh, as well. Steve Ferguson was the original White Lightning bar yeah. of Mad Wax. Mark Katzberg got a blue bar. Um, we had a purple craze, the purple park bar. See, that was my favourite of all the waxes. Of purple? All the wax. Yeah. Yeah, the smell the, or... The smell and the ride. Yeah. The, yeah like, it was fu- just so durable. That's how... F- that, the purple craze was the fastest wax. Mm. Oh, apart from then, we started playing around with those prototype um, fluoro bars. Remember those? Oh, yeah. And I was giving you yeah. those and you were trying them out. Yeah, that, 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 that was really fast, but that mm. stuff was quite hard to apply. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of more of a um, couple of runs performance sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, But you yeah. see a lot of the big brands, big wax brands do. Yeah, the high fluoro, yeah. But I love that purple craze. Like, it would just, especially if you used a base wax with it, mm. it would just perform so well but stay in the board. Yeah, you could and, you could, you could could ride it for a few days. It was still, mm. still fast. And, um, and so, like, Hayley Holt, was um because a lot of people probably don't associate her with snowboarding now but oh yeah she, she was uh, fucking gnarly she was ripping bro yeah she and, was good yeah I, I turned up at snow park and um i i hadn't met her but yeah logan was on the scene ripping and um i turned up at snow park and Haley was it was it was weird she was she comes up she's all hey uh you bring screen i was like yeah she's all oh my god 
are you really green screen? I was like, yeah. Madwax. I was like, yeah, Madwax. And she's all, holy shit, like this. So she was kind of, it was weird. She was sort of starstruck a, a little bit. And now it's like the opposite because she's, She's like this big TV personality, yeah. so you know now. Now I'm starstruck when I see her, but yeah. So we put Haley on the team. Um, she was repping it hard, which was cool. Um, and yeah. Then, then you had sort of like your final incarnation. You had like rippers like JJ Raywood. Like yeah, we hooked up Bronx JJ. And... Yeah, because he he got on Volcom and and um, he was just a kid ripping. So we put JJ on. Um, Christy Pryor. Yes. Well, so Christy I mean, Pryor, yeah, yeah, she just burst on the scene and it was like, Christy, you want to be on Mad Wax? And she was just like, hell yeah. So yeah, at one time we had like, we had a pretty, pretty, pretty strong girl team. We had, um, we had Christy Pryor, Shelly Gottlieb, Possum Tour, Steffi Luxton. And then all of a sudden, all those four girls were in the Olympics. Right. And you were hooking up Abby as well too. Yeah, Abby was so, on the team. So you had the free ride. So you had the four Olympic girls. Yeah. The free ride, fucking. Abby was straight killing it. Dialed too. Yeah, we just were Dude. just because it. Yeah, I mean it was That's just awesome. Everybody was right there, and Madwax was blowing up, and it was like I was riding with all these people, you know, and it mm. was just kind of like, you want to be on Madwax? Hell yeah! So, yeah, so yeah, just it just yeah, pretty much blew up overnight. It was um, pretty impressive how it sort of became this sensation, this must-have thing. And and was that just sort of by accident more than design? Yeah, I, I didn't really know that it was like the must-have thing. I was just mm. like stoked to be like, I started up this brand and like I really, the thing I really enjoyed about Madwax was um, getting like the graphics and all that stuff sorted and like the logos and mm. um, the skateboarder from Wellington did the die-cut logo and um <clears throat> Was he? He was pretty hardcore. He ended up going moving to Aussie, and he ended up getting into drugs, and and, and had a pistol. Last I heard back there, he had it like a handgun, and he, so yeah, he did the original die cut. Mm. But that was the whole process of getting the logos sorted was my favourite thing. And then there, there was the other stick of the graffiti style because I, I, mm. I'm a big fan of graffiti. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that whole that that whole art design thing behind the brand was fun, and so. Mm. All of a sudden, we're pumping out this wax, and um, and and here's me like, oh sweet, I can do a new logo because we got some money to do a new logo, you know. Mm. So, and oh, and then I come up with this idea: we can do these awesome scrapers. Mm. So we did these wicked wax coloured scrapers with like a Mad Wax Louis Vuitton repeat print stuff, and then we did all these mm. hats, you know, with like mm. trucker hats and um, t-shirts and sweatshirts and logos, and it was just it was wicked. It was mm. I was just absolutely loving. This- I remember when I got my first Mad Wax beanie, and people were like, "Where did you get that?" <laughs> sort of shit, you know. And was that the with the the white kind of punk patch, the punk rock style, punk rock style? Still yeah, yeah. Still got it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're on Mad Wax. I told you a long time ago. You know, you're you're on Mad Wax for life. So um, you just hit me up when you need another beanie. But um, uh, yeah. So um, yeah. It was it was fun, mm. you know, and it was right across the board style, like the punk rock kind of beanie, because mm. you know I'm into all kinds of music, so yeah, um, it was all sorts of influences, and um, yeah, people just dug it. Mm. It was crazy. It, it got pretty massive. I remember coming around to your house one day, and um, you had uh, you had a white lightning bar. He like check it out, and I didn't, I wasn't paying attention. I was like, cool, white lightning bar. He's like, and you're like, no, check it out. I'm like what? And it was a totally different label it was like the ttr logo like, oh, the, what the fuck like, yeah the world's you, yeah you're like dude we're sponsoring it it's like 
Get the fuck out. So yeah, the World did, Snowboard Tour. Uh, so Mel Simmons, Mel Simmons was uh, a judge on the World Snowboard Tour, and um, she loved Mad Wax, and uh, and she was like, dude, I can get you in. And so um, right. gave her some wax, and she showed the guys that were running World Snowboard Tour, and they were like, yeah, this is some sick wax. So um, we ended up doing a collab and sponsoring um, the World Snowboard Tour, TTR. Right. So uh, we did a... Did a collab bar of wax. I worked in with their designers, and um, next minute we're sending like five hundred bars of this collab wax to the Burton Open. Fucking hell! Yeah, and then you know, sort of a few months later, I got feedback of like, yeah, I got a goodie bag at the Burton Open. It had a bar of Mad Wax in it, you know. So yeah. I was stoked it made it to the states, and I was stoked it was getting pumped out. And then yeah, we we, we sent a whole bunch to Europe as well. Uh, we sent a bunch to Japan. Australia, Canada, and I think I sent some to Anthony Leffler in uh, Canada. Yeah. So and we and then uh, my brother, I brought my brother in because like um, he he's um, he's really good with uh, numbers and accounts. So he he uh, brought into the company twenty five percent, and um, he did all the accounts, and then I did everything else, sales and design and all that jazz. And, and so uh, yeah, we started pumping it, and we trademarked it around the world. So we covered the, the name around the world. So I was blown away. It's like, here is this wax sponsor, and yet I just remember seeing you in the garage making it. Oh, like yeah. Like Kiwi as fuck, you know? And yeah. Like, wow, yeah, I actually... Um, pretty cool. Like, yeah, I was actually making it uh, in my lounge in Wellington. We had my, my wife and I, um, we, we had this little flat, one-bedroom flat, so I'd like, I was making it in the lounge, and I'd pour, I'd, I'd brew it and pour it, and then... But the house was so shaky. If you walk, the the molds would shake and spill. So like, as soon as I did a pour, I'd be like, oh, "I've just done a pour, babe. Can you just like tippy toe now?" So we'd have to tippy toe around at night because I'd poured all this wax on on the on dining room table, and uh, we didn't want the the molds to shake because it would sort of disrupt the holy the, shit the, the, the drying the hardening process. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, yeah, I've made it in all sorts of places. My brother's garage. Um, another we moved into another flat and i made it under the house in this little wee dungeon room i got a friend to jib it out and make it clean and then i was making it in there and like you know i was making it at night and like my wife would be passing my dinner through this little window and i'd be in there making the wax and (laughs) yeah it was pretty full on you know because like the orders were coming in and um at the time i was um i was djing i was making and selling wax and i was had a job painting in Wellington, yeah. So mm-hmm. at, at this point, I would I'd kind of um, stops. I was only sort of casually snowboarding, mm-hmm. and then I was pumping out the wax. Wait, so we could probably tie this into you were talking earlier about how you sort of stepped away from snowboarding and DJing started taking over. We yeah, so um, yeah, I, I, in Wellington, you know, my late twenties, um, you know, I, I was sort of getting a bit older and and. Um, Started up Mad Wax and um, I bought some turntables. I couldn't de- couldn't DJ for peanuts and um, it's actually King Capisi that showed me how to mix at a gig at Snow Park. No way. He's like, dude, this is how you do it. And see these lights here and, and see when that light's on the left, you're on the left record. And and here's me. I just had this um, crate of records and my turntables. And but it was cool because uh, King Capisi caps. Yeah, he he, he sort of showed me. Um, he sort of showed me how to mix, and, um, but I still couldn't mix though, because like um, I went back to Wally and uh, and my friend uh, who I snowboarded and skateboarded with from way back in the day, um, his DJ name was Dollar Mix. Um, he 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 just started um, he just started club DJing, 
and um, I was based in Wellington and uh, my flatmate was DJing he actually got me into the DJing and um, Dollar Mix was like I was like dude can I come down and play some records and um, and Dollar Mix was like you need to be able to mix uh, at least three tunes together and I was like yeah I can mix three tunes together but I couldn't Right. and I went down and um, to this bar in Wellington and I jumped on the decks and I was like I hope this goes smooth and I did the fade in fade out so you couldn't hear the train wreck mixing tunes and um, I got the dance floor going and Dollar Mix came up and gave me like 50 bucks and was like dude that was sick um, but you need to learn how to mix and then we'll get you down again and um, like a week later DJ Craze came and played in Wellington he's like a full on Wicked scratch hip hop DMB DJ. So we all, me and all my friends, crew went out and watched DJ Craze. And so DJ Craze dropped these, he played a set and, and he played these three tunes that were like the same three tunes I played in the same order. And all my friends looked at me like, dude, 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 he's just playing, he's playing your tunes. Like, you know, pump, 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 pump it up, pump it up if you can. You know, this kind of like um, late 90s, early 2000s hip hop. And um, Dollar Mix was like, dude, you need to come back down to the club next week because, like, you're playing the shit DJ Craze is playing. <laughs> and it was just a total, like, total you know, fluke. fluke. Mm. Yeah, so um, yeah, I started learning how to mix. And then, uh, yeah, and I was just heavily, that was all I was doing was DJing. All my friends were DJs. Um, mm. I was just totally focused on DJing, yeah, and started I was spending all my money on records. I'd, you know, I'd have, like, 20 bucks for food, but, hey, I just bought, like, five new records that were hot so yeah i started buying records from the states and 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 uh the uk um and then um yeah started gigging around wellington and it just kind of i kind of stopped painting and i was just djing full time right so you were actually able to make a living DJing. yeah yeah i was pulling you know i was pulling like back then i was pulling like eight nine hundred bucks a week just out of djing so i was playing wednesdays fridays and saturdays uh, i had residencies downtown wellington and then I had private gigs, you know, like um, functions and a couple of wedding gigs here and there. So which... is that quite a tough nut to crack to get a regular sets in Wellington? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty hard. There's a lot of lot of DJs. And... Wellington has a reputation as a music. Yeah, city. yeah. So you got like DJ Raw. He he was big at the time. Um, Merrick from Wally. Yeah, he he was big. He he was. Um, there was a hot club in Wellington called Good Luck Bar downstairs in a basement on Cuba Street by the Wellington Bucket Fountains. So yeah, Merrick was holding down Saturday nights and um, I started playing Friday nights at a bar called Paradiso down um, Courtney Place in by um, the Embassy uh, Theatre and uh, people, uh, that's around the time I met my wife and um, I met her at uh, Sandwiches Nightclub, and um, at that point I was only playing Friday nights at Parody, so, and she knew the owner of Good Luck. All right. And she's, oh, yeah, my new boyfriend's DJing down at Parody, so, um, and he's all, she's we should check him out, so um, he came and checked me out, and then he was like, dude, um, I'll give you Friday nights at Good Luck Bar, so I was just like, whoa, you know, here we go, it's on, and, um, and there was Merrick on Saturdays. And then uh, I up another residency at a place called, a bar called Ponderosa. So, yeah, and then that went on to, um, had, a, had a residency at Hope Rose, which held like 350 people. Um, I picked that one up on Saturday nights. And so was it 
packed to that sort of amount of people every Saturday. Not, so that's got to be pretty intimidating. Um, yeah, yeah, know? but I mean, I was just so focused, and and and, um, and I, it, all I was doing was DJing. So um, you know, I was just I was into it, and um, it was pretty nerve wracking sometimes, but not really. You know, yeah, I, you know, I kind of started working working the crowd, and um, yeah. So then, yeah, I was like, I was playing Wednesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and. I was, I was DJing and that's all I was mm. doing and, and it was sick. And were you getting to the snow much? It was sort of the odd no, day. No, I stopped. No, I, I, I didn't snowboard for like four years. Oh, right. Straight, yeah. Um, you know, it was, uh, yeah, I was just DJing. It's one of those things. Yeah, I was like, was, for me it was like all or nothing, you know. Yeah. And um, But then, yeah, after after a few years I started, I, I introduced my wife, took my wife up the mountain to Tura, so we're doing little weekend trips and, easing back into snowboarding and mm. and i kind of still had that spark a little bit but um mm. but the, the yeah the dj was the main focus while we're talking about snowboarding again um this is sort of rewinding the tape a couple of years as as i have done during this whole interview oh yeah it's all good man back and forth um, eh? there's a very iconic um picture of you in the 2001 new zealand snowboarder jipping a bridge that Fuck like, Papa, yeah. That got everyone's attention. Do you want to talk about that? Is, is there more to that, or is it exactly what it is, just hella bridge jib? Sort of yeah, um, basically it was pre-season. Um, it is rewinding a little bit back to like the late 1999-2000. Um, Johnny Mack wanted to go and shoot some photos pre-season. It had snowed. Um, <clears throat> I didn't have any boots. I got some boots sent to me. One was they sent me the wrong boots. It was like I had a... My left foot was size 12 and my right foot was size 9, you know, and I'm like a 10 and I'm like, well, this toe overhang. But anyway, I just got sent all this fresh kit and we went up to Ruapehu and um, with Johnny Mack and it was, uh, we, we teed up with uh, Jimmy Hunt yeah. and Serena England and um, yeah, we just kind of for a couple of days cruised around Ruapehu. Uh, we hiked up to Tura and um, that's when I did that handrail at the Giant Cafe Oh yeah, yeah. Did a hand, oh, did the handrail. Yeah. yeah, got a sequence, and then um, Jimmy was kind of like, he was kind of like bumming, like he wasn't really a handrail guy. Yeah, and I uh, was like, we need Jimmy needs to get a shot too. So I was like, dude, why don't you go jump off that? And so we pointed over to this cliff. So he's like, oh yeah, yeah, good, because Jimmy wasn't doing jumping off big shit, you know. So um, Jimmy went over and jumped off that, and he he got cover shot with that shot. Another one, yeah, 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 I, yep. yeah. stalefish, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. awesome, yeah, and he's in like a big puffy yeah. jacket doing this mean stalefish, yeah. and um, yeah, so that was that little two day trip, and um, but the second day was like the the weather kind of came in, and we were up there, and it was like, oh, we need to go and do something else, and I was super hungry, so um, we went around a Fokker Papa, and, and there was all the snow on the ground, and um, we drove around this corner bridge, and it was just like, I was like, Johnny, um dude could maybe 50 50 this barrier around this bridge like the guardrail mm. and um so we just pulled over and i looked at it and i was like yeah i could probably like drop in here and ollie up onto this hand this, this rail guardrail of this bridge and so yeah just set it up and did it and actually lip slid it as well which was scarier right. than the 50 the 50 but um yeah, yeah they, they ran the 50 50 which was cool and yeah I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was just another. Oh, sweet, because it's obviously a spot that's not usually on. Nah, there's not there's, often. Yeah, I mean, maybe once a while they get a snow down that far, but um. I remember that and, that picture, like when it came out, because this is a Hairi Ra picture in New Zealand snowboarding. 
in, in, in that issue. So it was the last picture you see. And like with the people I worked at at Catrona, that was all anyone could talk about was like, you fucking see this? Like, yeah. what? And I remember like reading somewhere about Robbie Hollis making you and Cheapskates pull your ID out to prove that you yeah. were you. Yeah, I was passing and, and through. He, and he had that picture or some shit. Yeah, I was passing through. I think that mag just came out and I was passing through uh, Christchurch and dropped into Cheapskates and um, just yarning and, and, and then some dude's like, oh yeah, okay then Brent, you know, have a good one. And, and Robbie Hollis is like, hang on a minute, who's that? Brent, Brent Screen. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all bullshit, you're not Brent Screen. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm Brent Screen. So, yeah, it's pretty funny. He was fanning out. He's like, I don't believe you're Brent Screen. Prove it like this, you know. So he's like, show me your driver's license or some shit. So I was like, and he's like, yeah, he was just totally tripping, but it was pretty funny. Oh, Robert, yeah. Made you show your driver's license. Yeah, yeah. You know, Robert, he's he's larger than life, and he was working on cheapskates, and I think, or he was he was team rider. So, yeah, he was tripping. It was pretty funny. I found out on some riders, but I've never made them pull out their fucking driver's Mm. license. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty funny. Mm. So you've been um, come back down to Wanaka, back to the mountains, about 10 years ago. So what sort of spawned the transition from DJing wellies and living that sort of life to coming down to Wanaka and sort of firing up on the snow again? Uh, yeah, I just kind of like, um, I mean, I kind of DJed solid for like 10 years in Wellington and um, my wife and I, you know, we, we sort of started dabbling back. I got into snowboarding and we started dabbling back into snowboarding and then um, I actually did a DJ tour down here. And, uh, so it was Rapscallion. Rapscallion. Yeah, I had an MC. And we were kind of doing gigs in Wellington, and, and um, he, he was blowing up on the MC scene, Rap Scallion, and, and my other buddy, uh, DJ Wanted. And uh, we did a tour down here, and um, and it was cool because I ran into lots of old friends and um, and everything. Went back to Wellington. Well, I didn't want to go back to Wellington. Mm. I wanted to stay here, and, and my wife was like, she was like, come home. And I was like, come down. So she jumped on a plane and came down, and, and I was like, would you want to move here? And she's like, nah, because my wife... You know, she was, um, she, my wife's like 11 years younger than me, so she was early 20s and I was like early 30s and um, she, she was she was loving the city life and uh, so we weren't quite ready to leave the city. Um, you know, we were, I was DJing and she had all her friends partying and we were loving Wellington and then um, we just kind of, kind of, we got to a point where it was like it just kept becoming same, same, but same and um, we, we wanted to kind of do something new. So we came down here for a summer holiday, and then I, I, I didn't suggest it, but she was like, oh, do you want to move? Do you still want to move down here? Because it was quite nice, you know, so I, didn't, I never knew the summers were awesome down here. Mm. And I was like, no question. So we just basically went straight back to Welly. We just got rid of all our stuff and bought a station wagon and a van down without what we could fit in it. And mm. we, we came down to Wanaka, and that was around 2010. Oh, yeah. Yep. And... Um, we came down here with like 200 bucks left in our overdraft account, like broke as, didn't have jobs. Mm. <clears throat> um, I was doing Mad Wax. Mm. <coughs> Actually, I did have a job, was Mad Wax. And I was still DJing, but we just winged it and came down to Wanaka. And yeah, I, I picked up um, I picked up gigs at Water Bar and ended up DJing for, for four more years after we moved to Wanaka and, and numerous other gigs around town. And uh, my wife, she's she does floristry, so she makes flowers and stuff like that. So she she was working on a flor- running a florist, and yeah, we just started. We sort of um, just start, yeah, we moved down here and just got into it. And then I I started um, the first winter here because I was just 
I wasn't painting. I was just doing mad wax. Um, I ended up doing like 60-odd days at Cardrona. Mm. But that, I, uh, that was, was that our season, 212? Yeah, yeah. That was me. Was it two, yeah. 2012? 2012, yeah. 2012, yeah. Yeah. Um, just sort of started easing back into snowboarding, you know, and mm. I was just cruising around and wasn't really trying to do anything crazy. And, and then by about 2015... Um, I started kind of getting back into it a little bit more and a bit more and then feeling good and then next minute I'm just kind of like loving snowboarding again and mm. I, I quit DJing and <coughs> yeah, I was, just got back into snowboarding pretty hard out. This is about the time that Mad Wax sort of finished up, like what was the story behind like, uh, the, the collective snowboard community, we were hella bummed. Yeah, so um, like, what, what yeah I, I don't know, like, uh, you know, we'd been doing Mad Wax for 13 years, um, my brother lost interest, um, it was a passion project, it was still a passion project, and uh, my wife was doing accounts, and um, we'd been trying to push it really hard, you know, and um, we and then we got into a position where we uh, we brought a section here in Wanaka, and... Um, and it was time to build a house and uh it was kind of like i had had a little bit too much on my plate and yeah. and, and madwax was booming like it was around this time was like you know 12 13 years of doing it. it was it was peaking like it was doing the best it had ever been doing yeah and um it was just like but it was just kind of too much it was like you know we can we can build this house and um so something had to give mm. and uh yeah, unfortunately, I just thought I'd take a take a winter off Madwax, and you know, contacted all the suppliers beforehand and said, "Hey, we're not doing it this winter. You might want to find some another wax supplier." And um, yeah, we did our we built our house, and um, and and it was just such a relief because like um, it was just an, a breath of fresh air of of not not doing it, just sort of doing something different, and. Um, and then the following winter, my wife and I was like, oh, you know, it's pretty, it was pretty nice having last winter off Mad Wax. It was pretty chilled. So we take another winter off. So we took another winter off and, uh, and then we took another winter off and then. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Never came back. Hmm. But I mean, we still, we're still holding the, the domain name and the trademarks and all that in case we, we do fire it back up. And I've had a couple of tire kickers come along and want to buy the company, but, um, for me and Mad Wax, it's kind of like I started it from scratch. It's my little baby. So I don't really want someone else to pick it up and take it in a direction that I don't like or don't... Because mm. it's associated with you regardless of whoever would take it over. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I'd rather not see it sort of... Mm. You know, I've had some offers, but the, the offers weren't, weren't... For me, it was like, nah, I'd rather just, you know... Yeah, believe it how 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 it was and it was booming and it was mm. rad and it was yeah so yeah, yeah that's that that's how Madwax ended. I've still got a big stash of Madwax though, so all um, right, oh. probably got yeah. <laughs> I got, I got to say what's up. I got then. enough. <laughs> I got enough wax to last a lifetime. So yeah, we got we got a few hundred odd bars. And, and, you know, so so we're still we're still waxing up with mm. Madwax every winter and obviously. You know, you and, and crew, you know, there's a lot of crew, you know, mm. just flow the wax to. And people hit me up for it still on the mountain. Mm. They're like, dude, you got any mad wax? And so, yeah, bro. So, you know, oh, so, so. yeah, it's still floating around, but it's just kind of, yeah. yeah. So what's with you at, was it 46 doing the TC cat track gap? Yeah. Uh, the T- Yeah. I, um, yeah. Yeah. I did the cat track cap again, the gap again. Yeah. So that like I did with re- Rick. Reliving the nineties there. Yeah. I, yeah. One day, um, I'd just been away for a week in Tonga 
surfing or trying to surf. And I came back and I was just like real keen. It was midwinter. I was just real keen to get go get, get back up the mountain. So me and my mate Al, we went up and um, it was like, holy shit, the cat track gap's on. And Al's like, dude, if you do it, I'll, I'll shoot it. I'll take, I'll take get a video. So yeah, I just basically hiked up and did it. You've got to be like the oldest person to ever have done the TC. Cat track gap. <laughs> like, yeah, I was just feeling, I was just feeling good on the day, and like forty six or something, if I remember right. Yeah, forty yeah, five, forty six. Forty five. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I just it was like, yeah, just decided to do it and launch a tail grab over it. Yeah, so um, yeah, it just it just happened. Oh, and it gives us all hope then for in you know in late forty still chucking back three tails off off um whatever jumps are out in the back of tc sort of thing yeah yeah i don't know just um i think if you just look after yourself and stay fit and um yeah i for me i, I kind of had a rebirth in snowboarding like it, um i just thought it sort of got the buzz again and then all of a sudden i just found myself doing mm. things i was doing back in my 20s um you know and and yeah i'm just mm. i'm just frothing just as hard so was this about the same time you sort of left the alcohol, like stopped drinking, that sort of thing? Um, yeah, yeah, around about that time. I mean, the, the drinking didn't really, um, the, the, the booze, the booze, yeah, the booze got pretty heavy with me because um, I was, de- you know, when I was DJing, it was like bar tabs and um, and then, you know, <clears throat> I'd come home from my day job, I'd come home and I'd, I'd crack open, a, I'd have, you know, I started drinking like three bottles of whiskey a week. Right. And um, it didn't really, oh yeah, it affected my snowboarding because, you know, I found the hiking out the backcountry hard. And, um, but yeah, I uh, I just, um, yeah, I was drinking like three bottles of whiskey a week and I was just like, oh, chucking it out in the recycle bin, you know, and uh, I was just like, oh, this is not good. Um, it's getting away on me a bit, the, the, the booze. So yeah, I decided to stop drinking. It took me like six months to quit. I was just trying to quit and um, ended up stopping alcohol I'm going into my, you know, end of this year will be five years, Man. no booze. Yeah, so it's cool because I can't believe the amount of time I spent drinking and now that time I spend doing other things, you know. So I've got into like, um, I, I got into mountain biking over lockdown, you know, jumped mm. on a mountain bike and now I'm just like full noise for yeah. riding a mountain bike. So was it, um, I think you might have answered this, but it, was it pretty hard to take those first steps? and realize fuck this isn't working for me or with with the alcohol that sort of thing yeah i just wanted to try something new so i just wanted to do it for a year as an experiment Mm -hmm. and um so i started yeah i just sort of um one new year's we started warming up drinking and i came home and i had a bottle of whiskey on the on the bench and i was like you know what i I, i've uh, i'm drinking myself sober i'm gonna do a year no alcohol and and see what happens and look back on the year and as an experiment you know Mm. And halfway through the first year of not drinking, I found myself flying over to uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and buying a 1967 Chevy Impala hot rod. Yeah, 427 big block um, custom um, hot rod. So um, I was like, man, this not drinking thing's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got this, uh, got, this got this hot rod, and uh, yeah. so I was like, I'm going to do another year. So I'm into my second year, and um, I'm just like, you know, I'm paying off the mortgage, and the snowboarding's going off, I'm feeling really good feels like a new drug being uh, alcohol free mm. um and then all of a sudden i'm going uh, i'm buying another um custom car what was that 
It's a 51 Mercury. So I picked up a 1951 Mercury one owner barn find, um, which is here now in Dunedin. It's just started getting work done on it. Yeah, so it was like a three year. Was that in the States as well? Yeah, yeah, I found it on a little wee uh, website. So it's sort of the most sought after custom car in the States. Yeah. So was that a ball ache getting those cars back in the country? It was pretty, yeah, it was a bit bit of work to it, but, um, you know, I somehow pulled it off and the Mercury turned up just before the COVID. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's a complete, um, it's about, yeah, it's going to get customized. So yeah, I'm like this, this, this no booze thing's cool. So, um, Mm. I just kind of stayed and then I was like, you know, I've done two years now. I'm going to do, I'm going to do five years. Mm. So I'm on now I'm on my way to doing five years and yeah, it's just, um, it's just kind of like, I mean, I've drank, I drank my whole life, you know, and then the DJing, um, there was a lot of drinking and, you know, bar tabs and, and I just felt like a change. A, sh- a bit of a shift and um yeah and 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 now to me is it's kind of like um it just feels good not to be mm. drinking yeah because that was the sort of with me i mean I, I oh quit, yeah I quit yeah drinking dude you're like way back 19 which yeah, is bro. kind of but it, but it was one of those things like oh, i want to see what it's like for a year and yeah true and now it's 21 or 22 dude, that's years props that's <laughs> that's inspirational yeah, for me but, you know but cause... like i mean it wasn't even a I, I hadn't even been drinking long enough to develop a problem. I was just like, wasn't suddenly it wasn't fun. I was like, oh, I wonder what it's like. True. You know, well, yeah. I, and I was listening to a lot of like fucking straight edge hug, like minor threat and yeah, bro. stuff. So I was like, Fugazi. oh, let's listening to what in Mackay was saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause that's straight edge. Yeah. Mm, and yeah. then, uh, and, and then it's like, fuck, I've got more energy putting the skating and snowboarding and ran. Yeah, and, bro. And that's when I started, it was like, cause of that, I could actually afford to, go and do rock bottom seasons in Canada with Les and those dudes and yeah man yeah know, yeah that's it so mm. you know I mean it's not for everybody but um but it's, it, it's a good buzz and yeah. um yeah to me you know when people say what, what is it like I'm like dude it's like the new drug because it's like this being alcohol free is like if you've drank your whole life like I did um it's just like a whole different kind of state of mind yeah mm. it's you know I, I i i only need like sort of five hours sleep every night so i kind of get up at five every morning or four thirty, mm. and um you know I'm, I'm 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 pumping my business and so what's your business now uh, i got a, a painting and decorating company okay. yeah so you know i've always sort of dabbled in paint and um, since you know sort of funded my snowboarding so yeah, I'm still going hard in the paint, and um, you know we've got a company with five of us, and uh, my wife's on the team, and um, you know we're really busy here in Wanaka. Wanaka's just going crazy with, mm, with so building. What, what's your company called? Uh, well, we've got two companies. So we've got the P and B Painting, and and then we've got the Cedar Maintain. Oh, right. So we we um, there's a lot of cedar homes in Wanaka. So um, yeah, we, we we restore and main, maintain cedar homes. Yeah, so pretty much every other home in, in Wanaka's got yeah. So you know. Um, yeah, it's just it's 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 going pretty crazy. So Man. we do a lot of high end. We do a lot of high end work, but then we do all sorts of work. like we painted the new world outside right. of the, the the new the old new world. Uh, oh, right. Monica, old you world. know, <laughs> old world. Yeah, we painted old world, and um, you know we do like we do small jobs, big jobs. Um, we're just sort of working on a, a ten million dollar build at the moment. Christ. Um, well, it's nuts that that sort of builds going on in Wanaka, but yeah, know, there's there um, yeah, that one's hush hush. We're not allowed to take photos, and we're not allowed to, not allowed to talk about who the client is, and mm. you know. So I've kind of worked my way up from like um, yeah, just sort of being a brush hand to doing really high end work for for really um, um, high end builders. It's not bad for a skate rat snow bum. 
Yeah, bro. Yeah, it just kind of just happened and evolved. And, and um, I, 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 a mentor told me once. I said, I was like, dude, how do I, how do I become a millionaire like you? Just being cheeky, or so, well, you know, stick to what you know and um, but do it better. Because mm. I really wanted to get out of away from painting, and um, and that's why I moved to Wanaka. I was like, just wanted to do the Mad Wax. Mm. Um, but yeah, so you know, I just sort of I'm always working different angles on the company and trying new things. Mm. And, um, and and trying to push it forwards and um, it just sort of worked out and we we're just in the right place at the right time in Wanaka you know there's mm. there's a lot of work here so yeah it's just kind of oh, cranking man. so what's with the four board sports in one day thing uh, here in Wanaka yeah yeah so it um, doesn't sound like something that's actually achievable in New Zealand so <laughs> yeah 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 so you know skateboarding um oh one day it was actually on my birthday yeah in september so um it, we got a river wave here in the lake harway river wave uh it's a cool fun wave and um so i got into that and um you know skateboarding and snowboarding and um you know we're on to our fourth boat now um so we go out wakeboarding and, and uh wake surfing yeah, so I just kind of woke up on my birthday and, and it was like the mountain was on, the river wave was on, it was a nice day and the lake was glassy. So I was like, I'm going to go skateboarding. So I went skateboarding in the morning and then um, then I ripped down to the river wave and uh, surfed the river wave and then I hooned up to TC and went snowboard, well, hiked the summit, went snowboarding uh, uh, and then um, came down and went out on the lake and went wake, wakeboarding. So <laughs> yeah, there's, there's your four boards. Rad. Yeah, so... Um, I probably should have thrown uh, fingerboarding in there as well. It would have been the five board sports. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, fingerboarding was a thing, man. Like, really? Yeah, with snowboarding um, in Utah, the days we, we all had fingerboards. And so, you know, if the weather was um, shitty, we'd just be sitting in the cafe fingerboarding on, like, the serviette holders and the bowls and the plates. And it was like, yeah, yeah, all look right. at, yeah, fingerboarding. Yeah, we were pretty, pretty, um, <laughs> we were pretty heavy into fingerboarding, yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Are you still skating much these days? Uh, no, I kind of um, broke myself a little bit off um, here at the Wanaka Skate Park. Just got a crazy ass swelbo. Um, and then uh, my wife and I went to Hawaii and and, um, and I broke my collarbone. Yeah, right. so it was kind of like, um, it was kind of like I was sort of beating myself up a little bit. Yeah, beating myself up a bit skateboarding. Brent, um initially uh years ago you had the the intention to go to japan and it didn't happen but you ended up making that happen a couple of years ago right yeah 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 i always wanted to go to japan and um uh, will j started up explore wanaka which is also um uh trips in japan where he's like the guide and you know he's done like i don't know how many winters he's done in japan like <clears throat> like 14 15 i don't know man oh, he'd have that place to die all day. yeah he, he's yeah. like the, the mantis in japan so um yeah when he started up his guided tours um we got a wee crew together and flew over to japan two years ago and, and hooked up with will j and um yeah he was like our guide so what what was that like so like you're a former sponsor and now you've got this dude that's was that kind of weird where you like pinch yourself you're like fuck i used to sponsor this dude uh, not really. Like. Will Jay's just a, a homie from way back, you know, mm. and um, it was just like riding with my friends. Yeah, like mm. you know, I, when I when we moved back to Wanaka, I was riding with Will and um, Abby and JJ, and um, you know, and then it was like you know, yeah, just just it's just like riding with friends, really, you know, yeah. and it's always fun riding with Will because 
you know what it's like he'll, he'll just turn you'll be you'll drop you'll drop in and you'll be like oh i wonder what i can hit down here and you, then you follow will jay and it's like you get like 50 hits in one run because yeah. he just like finds stuff to do down the mountain like he's just crazy nothing. in tune with Bro, to be ridden, I eh? know something. Yeah, he's got some, he's got something going on where like he just knows the mountain. So, following any time you get to ride with Will J and 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 like, follow him down the hills, like, a, a, a damn good time. He turns a run in McDougal's at Cadrona into like the best time ever. Alaska, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, because that was a pretty cool trip. I remember just seeing on Facebook, like, and we talk about it in Abby's interview, like. Yeah, Brent went away with you guys for like two weeks and came back with like more shots than most visiting pros. And, oh yeah, and, yeah. I guess yeah. I was just frothing on Japan. It was I'd never been there, and I was just like that was my chance to you know. Mm. To, I just wanted to go and have a good time. I mean, shit. Besides the fact that I had food poisoning, I got after like the second or third day, I got hit by gnarly food poisoning. So the rest of the trip, I was just basically, um, I had. I had enough energy to go riding, but then as soon as we were done riding, I just went home and just went to bed, and mm. and then I'd wake up the next morning, and then it was time to shred again, and I was yeah, I was pretty I was pretty crook, but like I I managed to pull out that energy to, for the shred, mm. and um yeah, Will J man, he's like the Pied Piper in Japan, like Sensei, shout out to shout out to Sensei Will J, um yeah he 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 was uh you know he'd just take you to the spots and um mm. it was cool because we hooked up over there with uh trevor ponting and joel westcott and ashley nichols and and those boys have been living there for a while so we, we got to ride with them over there and they took us to their spots and then um we ran into the shapeshifter boys um p Diggs and and sam and um you know we rode with them, those guys there those you know we cruised with those guys and 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 you know they we just rode some insane terrain mm. and um yeah it was just a rad all-round trip it was a tough crew to get on like i because I, I linked up with you guys for like that's right last you did. week yeah and it was a tough crew to fucking join in because like I, I was still jet lagged and we were all at tane as like trying to keep up so oh like, tane no was crazy <laughs> that, that day was insane at mm. tane Tane, 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 yeah, Tane, yeah, that was loose, yeah, because because <laughs> Ash Ash Nichols was trying to take us to this run, this the top, this run, and Will J was like wasn't keen because Will J was our guide and it was a really deep day and it was mm. pretty gnarly, and, and I suppose Will J being the guide was responsible for us five the crew that were with him and um his Ash and Joel and Wes Godden and uh those guys they wanted to go and hit this crazy shit and i was i was down for it you know i was i was keen but like mm. everyone was keen but yeah will j was just being like the careful guide but we ended up going and doing this like super loose stuff off the top of teenage like mm. waist deep um just crazy I, it was it was scary it was definitely mm. scary because like you're kind of in this like crazy ass zone of just like waist deep powder and you don't know you can kind of get a glimpse of your friend through the trees and yeah. you don't really know where you're going but you kind of do and then you're like think you're lost and then you hear one of your buddies hooting and you're like oh yeah i think they're over there so you're like yeah so, so yeah it's pretty easy to get carried away yeah it's you know but that so, was the cool thing about having will as a guide because mm. um he, he knows where to go and he'll take you to the good spots yeah, but, and um i mean i yeah <laughs> no. i mean i'll you know I'll, i could have gone to japan just with a couple of friends that kind of you know kind of knew it but like Going with Will J was like, you know, he'd be like, tomorrow I think like the um, the avalanche barriers are going to be on up in this zone. So we'll just go and do some roadside hits and hit these avalanche mm. barriers and it was just like all time sick. Mm. And then um, the next day we're like, oh yeah, it's snowed 
dumped at Ruzitsu, you know, so mm. like we'd go over to Ruzitsu and just have an insane day of riding powder, you know, and then, mm. yeah, that, that's the way to do it, man. Like, it's just tuned in, Because eh? I hear people getting stuck and lost and all these horror stories of like, you know, and, mm. um, and it was like, okay, we're going to go with Will J and have a good time and yeah that mm. that's the highly recommended if i mm. if i go to japan again i'll definitely be going with explore wanaka so, and, and will j so i tell you what i missed them because i only joined in for a week and it was like the final week and then i tell you what i fucking missed it the next week so i went from like will picking me up at the airport sorting me out with accommodation where i actually had a room and the bed and then driving to like rad spots that public transport didn't go and I went from that to in a fucking hostel with snoring motherfuckers, relying on public transport so I could only ride resorts, couldn't ride the awesome spots that we went to, and then nearly missing my fucking bus to get to fucking yeah, Sapporo. And I was like, oh, I yeah. wish this, I wish this was the week before. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, Will J would like, you know, he, he mm. had the four-wheel drive van, and, and then it was mm. just like, we just follow Sensei. It would be like, we were going tomorrow, Sensei. He would be like, we'll have a look in the morning, and then it's like, um, he, he's got the spot to mm. go to, and he's like the Pied Piper. We just follow him, and we just knew that he was taking us to the spots. Mm. Dude, and you're in Japan, and like, he just knows everyone, and he's, he's yeah, it's, it's kind of almost mm. like his second home. He speaks Japanese. Um, you know, you go to the supermarket and it's like, dude, what is this stuff, man? Well, what do I buy? <laughs> you know, just little things mm. like that. Mm. And um, yeah, it just make, made the trip all the time. Yeah, definitely one of the best snowboarding trips I've ever been on. Yeah, that was awesome. Well, I think we're fairly close to wrapping this up. Have we got any thank yous and shout outs there, Brent? Uh, yeah, probably um, just everybody that I've snowboarded with and um, everybody that supported Madwax um, and my wife my wife she, she's she's just been solid um, supports everything I do uh, yeah cool well we'll head into our enders we, we know the drill by now so uh, favourite rider favourite rider um, like now you, you, you know what let's pick one from back in the day and one from now Oh yeah. Okay. Now Sage Kostenberg. Yep. Um, and then back in the day, gee, I don't know, man. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Everyone. All right. Favorite mountain. Triple cones. The first one that comes to mind. Favorite board. Favorite snowboard. Mm. Uh, probably the Evol with the um, the, the Rob Defoe with the dude with his head in the guillotine. Right. That was like my first um, board sponsor, uh, American board sponsor. Uh, I was sponsored mm. by a Kiwi board sponsor uh, brand before that. Mm. Um, but that was like the first, yeah. What was the Kiwi brand? Uh, Craig Harris made snowboards for a few years um, called Realm. Oh, no way. The that was him. That was him, yeah. I so, um, seen the ads. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he, uh, yeah, I was riding Realm for a couple of years. Was, was there also going to be a favorite skateboard? A favorite skateboard? Yeah. Probably that still- one that you made me, bro. Oh right, yeah, that's, sick. that's pretty sick. And um, sick. yeah, pretty much any skateboard's a favorite skateboard. A uh, favorite video part. A favorite video part. Um, oh, probably anything Devin Walsh. Fuck, he was the best for a long time, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, just his style yeah. and just you know, like goes you, big. I love watching his um, part in Shorty's Young Brown Walsh. Yeah, bro, like, it's still yeah. good to watch now, eh? Yeah. Uh, favorite gig. Shapeshifter. Diggs, yeah. Diggs yeah. just kills it on stage. And um, 
you know, like the Rhythm and Alps that mm. was just been with Shapeshifter. Or no, they actually did it after Rhythm and Alps. That was a sick gig. Um, mm. Yeah. Well, those lads know how to put on a good show. Speaking of digs, did you ever see Police Lucifer back in the day? Uh, I, might, I don't know if I did. Um, I know that they were around in Wellington, and, and I knew a couple of his bandmates, yeah. Mm. I don't know if I caught them live or not. But All I'm, right. Favourite city? Uh, Wellington's pretty cool. <laughs> Favourite track? Favourite track? Mm. Uh, switchback one. Oh, no, actually, anything spinning off the hills, because I only learned how to spin off the hills two or three years ago so um right yeah just anything off the hills at the moment yeah front side fives uh favorite board graphic the rob defoe uh in the guillotine that, Man. Yeah, that... uh, best method you got a pretty good method me you got a good no method, i yes, don't you do. come on man don't play it down no come on uh, jamie lynn yeah sweet that, that, that's that's a good method but you got a good method too bro <laughs> and what's the secret to a good method I don't know, because I can't do them. <laughs> Kick out your back foot or some shit? I don't know. Yeah, I still can't do them, man. I do those suitcase things. And Craig Kelly, I do the Craig Kelly methods, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Awesome. Gee, well, Brent, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, man. It's, um, it's been, a, been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having yeah. me.